Hello everyone and welcome aboard EP85 of the MJ Cast. News and discussion on Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. Today we will explore the news landscape, including stopovers in New York City for a new Michael Jackson musical set to hit Broadway. Hot new tracks from Christina Aguilera and Drake, both featuring vocals from Michael. Janet Jackson's Radio Disney Music Award, AMJ Charity Update, and the fabled legend of the lost Golden Michael Invincible album cover. Today, your crew consists of myself, Q, also Elise, who will take us to Los Angeles for her recent MJ Week experiences, and Damien Shields, who is releasing his revised edition of Escape Origins, titled Michael Jackson, Songs and Stories from the Vault. Thank you for joining us. It's now time to prepare your audio equipment for launch, open all window coverings, and again, welcome to episode 85 of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. I love, <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Damien, welcome. Elise, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This little recording's been a long time in the making. It's been delayed and pushed back a few times. So there might be some older news that we talk about today, but even today, more breaking news. It's always coming in. It's always happening. And I have to say, we've had so many special episodes <laughs> that it's been a while since we've done a regular We have one. had so many special episodes. This is like only the fourth news and regular episode of the year, which blows my mind. There's nothing more Crazy. that Michael Jackson fans love than breaking news. We love breaking news. <laughs> it's like the... F- favorite thing ever my goodness so yes we've had a whole bunch of special episodes so many special guests thank you for um everyone that's helped put those together and who has listened to them especially we appreciate when you actually listen to them so our last episode was a wonderful discussion with judith hill artist uh, judith hill that performed with michael for this is it in the rehearsals and in the film and also was partner and um helped work with prince on making albums as well did you guys get a chance to tune into our last episode episode 84 yes i definitely listened to it i loved it and um and i have to say I, of course, knew of Judith Hill. I had seen, of course, This Is It, and also her uh, the documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom, and she's fantastic. But I still, I learned so much from the episode, and I just thought she was so wonderfully genuine, and it's really amazing to see her journey as an artist. And I did go and buy her debut album as soon as I had listened to the episode. And it's, you guys, it's so fantastic. If you don't own it, it's really worth the couple of bucks to get it. I have had it literally on a loop in my house since I bought it. It's great. It's very funky, isn't it? It is. 
Cool. Damien, what did you think of that? That was such a like surprise special that we were really, you know, that was on our wish list. Absolutely, Judith's been on our wish list right from the start. But uh, Charlie helped put it together. Like that was a nice surprise to find in your uh, feed as you were Ubering around the place, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a good surprise. I actually had listened to the interview she did with The Violet Reality with Casey Rain's Prince podcast. And um, I was going to suggest to you guys, that, oh, you know, it seems like Judith's doing the rounds. It seems like she might be available for an interview. Maybe you guys should do an interview with Judith. And the next thing I knew, it had already been done. It was out and I was listening to it. So, yeah, great surprise. Very, very good interview. <laughs> Lots of unique insights. She definitely um, spoke about a few different things with the re- This Is It rehearsals that I personally found interesting. Um, thanks for asking that question for me. That was really cool. And, yeah, it just it just does beg the question of what footage is still left unseen. I mean, there's so many short snippets of things that were included in the film for, you know, a half second here or two seconds there that, you know, you wonder what's either side of that that little snippet that they used. And I reckon there's some really interesting stuff that we haven't seen that maybe get might get used down the track. So she's definitely um, piqued my interest in what's maybe. still potentially to come. Uncut footage is probably what I would prefer to see, not um, Frankenstein footage. Which is what this is it was. The whole film is a Frankenstein, yeah. 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 Um, Thank you so much, Charles. And another huge thanks for putting that interview together with Jamin. Very quickly, it came all together. I was actually working a red-eye flight and I was landing and getting to the hotel after no sleep all night. So that's why I was missing from that show. But I am here today and we're going to do the best for you to get a great show out And um, we can't wait to hear your feedback from it once it's all out there. So, Elise, I'm going to cross to you first because, and I'm actually really glad you're on the show. You're calling in from San Diego, is that correct? Yes, I am here from Southern California, San Diego. Beautiful, beautiful. And thank you so much for all your assistance because, of course, Elise is our wonderful web assistant and basically keeps the MJ cast chugging along with us boys and is a huge, huge help. But we've been emailing with a wonderful listener, Astrid, and it's actually a good coincidence that you're here because Astrid's been emailing us about a book out in Germany that she's really passionate about. And it'd be really cool if maybe you could tell us a little bit about it, please, Elise. Yeah, so we just wanted to share this with any of our German-speaking listeners. Um, I will not get the pleasure of reading it myself, unfortunately, until I learn German. But <laughs> uh, but no, it sounds fantastic, and we do want it to be on people's radar. Um, so this is a book uh, which Astrid has let us know about, um, which was published about a year and a half ago. So it's still kind of, you know, getting out there and making the rounds and finding its audience. But um, it is called Make That Change, Michael Jackson's Message and the Fate of a Spiritual Revolutionary, uh, which I love that subtitle, quite compelling. It's by Sophia Pade and Armin Risi. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing those correctly. Um, And it came out in January of 2017. And Astrid tells us that it is a comprehensive book about Michael's life, his human humanitarianism, the truth about the Chandler and Arviso families, Michael's battles with the media, and it gets deep into the issues around his comeback with This Is It and the reality of what was going on at that time. So it sounds like it's a really comprehensive book that digs quite deep into some of those big kind of 
dark sometimes subjects that not every book touches on. Um, she, Astrid, has a very, very high opinion of this book, thinks it's one that we should all get, so we'll hope that it eventually appears in an English language edition. Um, but for now, you can find it on Amazon, and it has a terrific cover. Um, and if we ever do get an English version, I will definitely pick it up. For sure. Now, I know we have um, a huge German listenership, so I'm really glad that we get to share this news about this book and, and the passion that Astrid has for it. So hopefully, if maybe more people in Germany are able to get it and support it, that might help um, push it through to an English translation in the next couple of years. So that would be really awesome. Can I just make a comment on the content, like the subject matter of that book? One of you guys made a really good point just before was that they're not often covered, the darker areas of Michael's career, but the fact that someone has gone to the effort of actually putting all of those things into context, I think is super important. You mentioned earlier that I I drive Uber and that means that I'm encountering like 15 strangers every single night. And of course, MJ is such a big part of my life that it comes up all the time. Um, and I have to say like the top three questions that, anyone ever asks me about Michael Jackson once we get onto that topic is always about the the child abuse allegations why his skin went white and um about his plastic surgery so like I mean those things all have really interesting oh and about his death as well so those things all have answers there's answers to all those questions but those are the things that people don't really know anything about so the fact that someone's gone to the effort to try and put those things into context of into the context of his life and what they mean with him moving through those struggles i think that's really important because once you do answer those questions once you do understand what the backstory of all those issues everything kind of falls into place and makes sense you get to have a, a much better rounded view of Michael Jackson's life and times. So, kudos to the authors of that book. That's really, really cool. It yeah. puts the complexity of Michael Jackson into context and then people can sort of say, oh, okay, well, this is because of that. This is an easy answer because of this. And yeah, hopefully that when fans educate themselves, they can help answer those questions when people ask them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be shied away from. I mean, it is, it is, they're all integral parts of his life and times. I mean, that's, they all make up. They make who up. Michael Jackson yep, is. They do. On the on the positive side, I also like that it apparently gets him to his humanitarian work as well, which I don't think that many other books out there do. So, and not many people outside of the fan community know about that stuff, right? Which is just mind boggling that people don't know some of these very obvious answers. Like vitiligo has not been a secret since '93. He was always presenting ch- charity checks and making appearances at charity things and, and popping up in cities on tour at hospitals where, you know, then there'd be footage on the news. So I don't understand how these things have dropped out of public consciousness and people have been ignorant to it. I just can't, don't understand that. I just think it's the repetition thing. You know, Michael said it himself. But, if you hear something enough, you'll begin to believe it. And I just don't think we heard those things enough. We heard everything else too much. The repetition was not in areas of humanitarianism and activism. It was in areas of, you know, you know, I don't even need to name them, other areas. Yeah. 
tabloidy shit. So we need to shift that repetition and start talking more about the the positive stuff and less about the change the balance, put it in Michael's favor where his legacy really lies. Change the balance and fans out there, you're responsible for that. All responsible for that. Moving on, we got other books we're going to be talking about later, but moving on to some other news on the Jackson landscape today. There are reports that Janet Jackson will collaborate with Bruno Mars for some tracks for her new album. And not only Bruno Mars, but also Janet's longtime production duo team of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are also said to be involved. If this comes to pass, I have to say, I would be pretty excited, especially with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis' involvement because their quality on the Unbreakable album was fantastic. But uh, yeah, what do you think of the possible Bruno Mars collab with Janet Damien? It would be great. I would love it. I do wonder about the legitimacy of the rumor, though, because... Wasn't too long ago that Jackie Jackson was saying that Bruno Mars was toying around with unreleased Michael Jackson songs, which Bruno Mars said was not true. So I haven't read well, the. I think that was a bit of a miscommunication. <laughs> I think the way that it came across helped lead people to think that was what was happening when it wasn't. Really. Yeah. Well, Bruno was good enough to clear that up, so that was nice. But uh, Bruno and yeah. I think Bruno is heavily influenced by Janet. So hearing Bruno and Janet together. It would be like, I don't know, it would be like a, a wet dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> Musical terms. Yes, it would. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, super excited. I mean, Janet is like on fire right now. I just am so happy with everything she's doing and so proud of everything she's doing and the way she's really been able to have control of just her whole life the last couple of years after going through kind of a, I, I know some tough personal stuff and yeah. And I'm sure the uh, Janet fan community in particular has been like on cloud nine for the last several months. So this is fantastic. I can't wait to hear it. Well, let's hope this comes to pass and I'm sure it will be some pretty funky stuff that comes out of the studio if it does happen indeed. Yeah, so um, jumping into our next news point, this is a little while ago now, it's a few weeks back, but there is a new Christina Aguilera song out and we're now out for a little while um, featuring a Michael Jackson sample. Um, it's called Maria and um, and I don't know... I don't know how, I don't know what's happened in terms of public perception of the song. I feel, um, we'll talk about the Drake song a little bit later, but I feel like it's maybe disappeared a little bit. I don't know how you guys feel, but before we get there, I will just say I love the song. I was really, really pleased with how it came out. I love the, the sample. Um, the MJ vocals just sound fantastic. I love that there's a real spotlight on them. They're not over, overly manipulated. They really get a lot of attention. They have that retro flair, but I think it works very well uh, integrated into her, the rest of her song. I think it's fun. I think it's really nice to listen to. I'm a big fan of this and hope that a lot of people hear it. Well, I don't know how on earth I have missed this, but I didn't even know that this was a thing. You <laughs> so missed it. I Oh, no. Dance party. <laughs> I haven't even heard the song. I don't know. I've never... I didn't even know it existed. So... And I've been f kind of 
following the Christina Aguilera re-emergence, you know, with the new image and the whole fresh-faced campaign that she's done, which I think is lovely, and I really do like Christina Aguilera. So how I missed a Michael Jackson sample on a Christina Aguilera release, I have no clue, but I have no feedback because I've not heard it. But it sounds good. Well, I'm like glad it. we've got to surprise you with something good. <laughs> something to check out after the show's be done. Impressed. Yeah. Absolutely. It's unusual that we get to surprise Damien with much, so it's great. <laughs> I know it is, isn't it? I've been really, really sick for about a month. I haven't done a great deal of anything, so I'm just crawling out of my cave at the moment. So <laughs> Well, we're glad you're feeling better. Her voice is so powerful. It's incredible. Like I'm surprised that I remember like when Christina Aguilera was the biggest, you know, female star out there at the time. And I understand she's gone away and had family and everything, but her quality I think is still there for sure. And her voice is just as powerful as ever. And I think the sample fits this track perfectly. It's like a perfect pairing and it's so good. And there's such a balance between the two, which you know, decades and decades apart and different vocal abilities apart. Michael's, you know, starting out, he's really young. Christina's like a veteran at this stage and her voice is as good as ever, if not better. It's just a great track and it's done really well. Love it. Check it out, Jamie, and you have to check it out first and then everyone else can check it out if they've somehow missed it as well. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and I feel like the sample is used really respectfully as well, which I like. Okay, so moving forward, um, so we do have a bit of a state news. We're going to have a few different pieces of a state news. This, <laughs> this is this is one I would um, you know consider really positive. So as as listeners will know, um, the Michael Jackson Diamond celebration is coming up. So that is the celebration of his 60th birthday, and the estate seems to be revving up and preparing a whole lot of stuff um, for that, which, you know, we all have our feelings about that. But, um, but the one thing that I am excited about, and I think could have some, uh, you know, some great results, is that the estate is set to partner with the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation for the birthday celebration. Um, And so their release about this says that they will be honoring Michael's well-known desire to help disadvantaged people around the world, especially children, by welcoming the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation to the event. They will join forces to support the work of the GAIA Elizabeth Taylor Mobile Health Clinics, which brings accessible and free healthcare to those living in rural Malawi. So that's great. I mean, there's nothing bad about that if, you know... In my view, if the estate can start moving in the direction and doing some of these things that are actually in line with Michael Jackson's humanitarian vision, you know, that's all good. I hope they continue to do it. What about you guys? Damien, you might have a story from a few years ago related that you could probably work into this, do you think? Well, there's nothing, there's not too much of a story here, but just, you know, as a Michael Jackson fan, Elizabeth Taylor passed away kind of 2011, I think it was. It wasn't too long after the Michael album had come out and we all know what kind of, you know, negative impact some aspects of that album had on the fan community. And we all know how important Elizabeth Taylor was to Michael and how important Michael was to Elizabeth Taylor. So, when she passed away, I contacted the estate and I kind of just said to them, 
hey, look, you may or may not be aware, Michael has a song. It's called Elizabeth, I Love You. It's his kind of candle in the wind to Elizabeth Taylor, although he wrote it while, you know, she was still alive and it was his kind of tribute to her, which he performed. And I said, oh, wouldn't it be a a lovely idea if perhaps you could um, utilize that as a way to honor Elizabeth Taylor's life and her friendship with Michael and potentially like, you know, it doesn't have to be a big flashy thing because obviously it's, it's not like a pop song or something like that, but put it out with a, a video montage of, you know, Elizabeth Taylor's career highlights and, you know, little snippets of Michael performing it and videos of them together. And it could just be a nice little tribute. And um, with the proceeds, obviously, benefiting the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. And I got a very snarky email back from the MJ Online team as they only seem to have one tone in responding to fans who have, you know, good-hearted suggestions. And they just said, we have no receipts to prove that Michael supported the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. So, no. (laughs) We have no receipts. I mean, come on. Do you need a receipt to, to... to know what Michael's, you know, <laughs> where Michael's heart was and what his feelings were about, you know, the AIDS virus. I mean, have you not seen the Clinton inauguration and that heartfelt speech that he gave? So, that's the story you're asking about, isn't it? His Q? relationship with Ryan. Exactly. You know, Ryan That's White. the story. Yeah. All right. So, well, I just... Yeah, I just like as if there wasn't a history. Well, my, my comment now is that I think it's good that they have changed their perspective on that and that they are aligning with them. You know, with the Michael Jackson estate, they've done a whole lot of stuff that we don't like. You know, they've committed fraud, for example. But I feel like they can redeem themselves and this is one thing that they are doing which is a step in the right direction and I'm glad they're doing it. I don't think we should have a bad attitude about them doing it. I don't think we should hold the past against them in this particular aspect because no matter which way you look at it, partnering with the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation is a good thing. It's going to benefit a worthy cause. And kudos, I have to say, to Paris Jackson, who, before the estate decided to get involved and start promoting the fact that they were going to be aligning, Paris has been the ambassador for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation of her own accord already. So, kudos to her for getting down and dirty and doing what her father did in supporting worthy causes that he believed in. Absolutely agree with what you said there, and especially with the point about Paris. I think we've spoken about in previous shows the um, inspirational speeches that she's given as ambassador for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. And yes, I think it's a positive thing that they're doing this partnership, and it's a few years maybe they could have done it earlier, but at least, you know, on this diamond anniversary. Michael's 60th, I think it's a what better opportunity to do it. And hopefully it's the start of a lot more of this sort of support of charities and wonderful causes like this, which is what Michael was here for. So, yay, finally. Yay. Yay. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not a randomly selected charity either. It's something that has context in Michael's life. So (laughs) it's relevant to what he believed in and who he loved and yeah. what he loved yeah. and what he felt. So mm-hmm. good move. Well done. A positive, positive step. Maybe it's a good time for a little music break. Now we're going to cross over and we're going to hear a track, which is by Emil Haney. It's a remix from the Michael Jackson remix suite album. And it is Maria. You were the only one. Mm-hmm. 
What's up, everybody? This is Judith Hill, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. There we are. There's our first music break, which is the Maria track from the Michael Jackson remix suite. 
sort of thought I'd pop that in there in relation to the previous news story about the Christina Aguilera song, which you should still go check out. Links will be in the show notes. Next up in the news, Janet Jackson receives the first ever Impact Award at the Radio Disney Music Awards and gives another inspirational and incredible acceptance speech. I watched it again this morning. Incredible. It's it's Janet's new era. Like she is just full force, you know, she is speaking out, speaking loud, supporting those that need it and being loud for the topics that need it most. And it's, yeah, a well-deserved award and that it's the first ever one is awesome as well. Um, great. I love the presenters. When they introduce her, you can tell their absolute genuine love for Janet. And they did a terrific little video montage Reminded me a lot of the one that Michael had for his Legend Award at the Grammys when Janet presented his award. It really, like, little package reminded me of that. It was really well done. Love this. I love that Janet is, um, you know, now sort of getting out there and more public and reclaiming the, her deserved title and place in music history and and as her place as an influencer and an inspiration for so many. Elise, did you get a chance to see this? Yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, just everything Janet is doing right now is is phenomenal and inspiring and um, just, again, really proud of her and want it to, to keep going. And I'm so glad that, and I'm so glad that the wider world is appreciating her, which I also think extends to appreciation of the, of the whole family. So that's, it's awesome to see. I haven't seen this particular speech, have seen a lot of Janet's stuff that she's done recently. Um, big, big lover of Janet. Um, and she doesn't have to do this. She doesn't have to continue to tour and continue to raise awareness, but she does. She does do it. Um, so, I just, you know, can't speak highly enough of Janet. Amazing. And she's currently on tour across the US for her State of the World Tour again, doing some more dates. Um, Elise, is, is Janet coming anywhere near you? Um, she is doing some an event in LA, I believe, but I can't get there, unfortunately. But I will see her eventually. <laughs> Last year on her tour date, she was, uh, I was flying to Germany on the very, that very day she was performing, so... It'll happen at some point. Oh. I know. I'm, it's very sad. <laughs> Have you seen her before? Damn. No, I haven't. My my life is sadly uh, uh, sadly missing Janet Jackson in it in general, but it'll happen eventually. Mm. I got that was my first ever concert was a Janet concert. It was. Oh wow! First ever, yeah, on the Janet World Tour, yeah. So I started like pretty high up on concerts. <laughs> like I'm I'm like talking about like. This is like a proper music concert, not like the things I would have seen as a kid, like the Ninja Turtles on stage doing their music <laughs> clip or something. I'm not to- like at a shopping center, not talking about that, which was also very cool. But yeah, first music artist concert was Janet. So, so I started pretty, pretty big. <laughs> how old were you when you went to that concert? Uh, I would have been about 14 or 15, probably 15-ish, I would say. Isn't that amazing? She's been doing it for so long. So long. Yeah, because I'm really old now. And that was a long time <laughs> Those ago. Those Jacksons, they just, <laughs> their careers just don't, they just don't stop. Like, 
It's amazing. They're amazing. All of them are. I saw a picture of Latoya this week that I think she put up on Instagram with, I think, some of Tarrell's youngest kids, maybe. Tarrell and TJ's youngest kids at a pool. And I'm like, Latoya looks like she did in like the 80s almost, except with way better hair. I'm like, <laughs> they're just still going. Yeah. They're still, they like have essence, the essence of youth they've discovered and, and the essence of strength and they just keep on going and it's so good. Those genetics, so my goodness. Good. But anyway, those genetics, my God, seriously, beautiful family. Just keep on going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> All right, we got we got a news story now, which was a pretty big one, actually. It's another project that the estate have given the green light to, and it's in conjunction with Columbia Live Stage. We're heading to New York now, people. A Michael Jackson Broadway show is set to hit New York's Broadway in 2020. That was some pretty big news. That was some pretty big news. So the play is going to be written by Lynn Nottage and inspired by the life of Michael Jackson, of course. And this will include his musical catalogue. And I think this is some pretty big news. So Lynn Nottage is a two-time Pulitzer Prize Award winner and... Tony winner Christopher Wielden has been tapped to direct and choreograph. So obviously it's very, very, very early on in the piece. And when there is more news to share on this, we will let you know. But Broadway is pretty big, folks. And I've always thought that Michael's music especially was perfect for Broadway. There's so many theatrical elements to it, just audio-wise, let alone visually. So I'm I'm curiously optimistic and excited by this development. Elise, as a United States citizen, I'm sure you might have dropped past Broadway at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm actually totally excited about this. Um, of course, if it's done in the right way, and um, but yeah, definitely optimistic. I I think that you know a big Broadway c- production can be a really exciting thing. Also, uh, really exciting in terms of you know bringing people in, people who maybe even don't know Michael Jackson's music very well, might come see it anyway because they're Broadway fans. So it's a great chance for a potentially really nice production, potentially a respectful production, and one that's going to reach outside, potentially very outside the um, the fan community. Damien, have you got some thoughts on this? Cautiously optimistic? All that I hope is that the Michael Jackson estate lets Broadway do what Broadway does best. Um, I mean, I yes, I I saw the Book of Mormon Step recently. Out of the way of the music. <laughs> I, I saw the Book of Mormon recently, and for me, I mean, if the makers of that musical had have tried to collaborate with the Mormon church <laughs> i just don't think it could have been as great as it was 
So, how about let's just not collaborate with the Michael Jackson estate. Let's get their approval and just go for gold with whatever the, the, the makers of this uh, musical think is best for the portrayal of Michael Jackson because, I mean, yeah, they are the experts. Leave it to the experts. Don't try and meddle with it. Just leave it to the experts, please. And we know his life. His life is what it is. And that will be, you know, that will dictate what a lot of the story of the musical is because we're not going to rewrite his life to... I mean, it is, it is what it is. There's a, there's a very clear set of things that happen to him that can be followed. So, just just do it justice. Cautiously optimistic. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. Great. Like, let's just let the artists do their work. Like, let them be inspired by Michael. And, you know, if they need to touch on some of the things that we spoke about before, the, the darker side of his life that create the whole person, all of those elements, then they can certainly do that in a respectful way. There is absolutely ways to to include those elements but i hope that overall this is a inspiring piece of art that will befit his legacy i think that it will definitely introduce people to maybe elements and tracks that they weren't aware of so that's always a good thing i think it'll be a very different crowd going to this than what go to the one show made by Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas but that also does that. That introduces sellout night, like sellout crowds every single day to songs that they didn't know were Michael Jackson tracks and and who he was as a person. That, that show focuses quite heavily on Michael's inspirational capabilities and what he set out to inspire people to do. So this should have also those elements as well, but in a very different way. Like, I've been very lucky to see a few shows on Broadway in New York on trips over there, and the quality has just always been amazing. So, they've got, if they're going to be on Broadway, the standard's high. But it looks like this could be in some good hands when there are more updates. That's what gives me my optimism, the fact that it's on Broadway, like the Broadway, Broadway, Broadway. I mean, (laughs) how could it not be good? You're working with the single greatest popular music catalogue in the history of like a history of the music business it's it, it will be good whether it's to people's taste is one thing or another um but i'm it, it'll be good that it surely couldn't not be good <laughs> it has to be good yeah and people's tastes are all different you don't all have to like the same thing so if you don't like it that's not a bad thing that just means you've got different tastes to the person next to you that does like it so we are all different we all like different I... things, and that's fine. <laughs> it's all about getting the music out there, ultimately, right? It is. It is. Well, we might use this opportunity to cross over to Yannicka of Jackson Source, who is our Jackson family correspondent, and see what Yannicka is going to report on for us today. Take it away, Yannicka. As you may know, the Jacksons, Jackie, Tito, Marlon and Jermaine, they're, they're touring. They're having a sort of a summer tour with gathered dates uh, mainly in Europe and a couple ones coming up in August in California. And I think there's one in Canada coming up. They're performing. Uh, they've been doing Spain and they're coming back for Mallorca in a couple of weeks. I actually was at their show in Edinburgh, uh, which was the first show after Joe passed. 
And I saw all the brothers there and they seemed to be doing fine and holding up. Uh, and obviously they're they're grieving and hurting, uh, but they, they will take their moments to, to grieve and mourn. But uh, it was actually good to see all of them and, and give them my condolences personally and just to make sure they're doing okay. But from the looks of it, they were, so that's good. And make sure you go see a show if you can. They're worth it. Janet actually recorded a music video out, out in the streets of Brooklyn and she was spotted by paparazzi and other people uh, wearing different outfits, really colorful, it, it's looking really great. I'm not even sure what song it is, but it seems it's a new song called uh, Made For Now, but don't pin me down on that one because I'm not really sure. But from the looks and the, and the, the snapshots of it, it's looking great and I'm, I'm really excited for her music video and for something new to come out and it's just, she's looking fabulous and doing so well and touring. Uh, and I think her speech about Joe uh, at the Essence Festival was really, really powerful and strong and personal, making it, uh, yeah, it was quite an emotional speech to watch. You can tell that, um, yeah, the passing of the hawk is actually, yeah, the, the family's quite undone about it. So Paris actually showed up in court to uh, give her testimony for a guy who has been stalking her for years uh, and to make sure that he's actually unable to stalk her any longer. I think he got a restraining order for at least three years uh, and it seems pretty um, special for an artist or a celebrity to actually show up in person uh, at such a court case uh, at the courthouse to testify uh, personally. So well done, Paris. Really, I'm really, actually, I didn't know she had a stalker, but uh, over the past weekend, she she was live on Instagram at Comic-Con and she was crying and actually um, talking about it for the first time. And it basically revealed that she had a stalker and how, my, how upsetting that is and has been obviously for her. So I'm, for her, I'm happy that I hope this is over with now or at least for the next three years. Let's hope that's it. But well done, Perez, and proud of you for showing up in court and defending yourself and your rights. I wanted to talk about Austin, who uh, who's spending time in Europe, and uh, he actually is in Sardinia, Italy, right now. And upon of, uh, upon his arrival, he actually uh, did a pop up show at a festival in in Sardinia, playing a microphone and guitar show, and it seemed that he had a blast. So I'm really really happy for the Italian fans to get to to get their introduction to Austin, and I hope he. He continues to return to Europe and play and actually play all over the world because I think there's a lot of people that would like to see him perform. Then there's more next generation of Jackson's news. Uh, Jafar and Your Majesty have actually been spending a couple of uh, weeks uh, in France at the French Riviera, uh, spending time with their dad who lives out in that area. Uh, and they actually announced that they will be uh, supporting and be present at the next World Peace Night at Villa Oxygen in Cannes next year, and that's that's probably somewhere May 2019, for the um, uh, Adventure of Humanity uh, Charity Foundation, which is something that Michael started one day, and then uh, now Richard Nilsson is running that, um, and Joseph and Jermaine and Latoya have all attended those those annual uh, World Peace Nights, actually. So Jafar and Your Majesty are next. Thank you, Yannicka, our Jackson family correspondent for this update. And now let's move on to some more news. I'm going to let you guys talk most about this point because I'm not a huge fan of this track, but we do have another song with Michael Jackson vocals, which to have 
one episode with two uh, two major artists using Michael, Trax Michael Jackson vocals is pretty exciting. So this is the big one that's dropped more recently. This is Drake's song called Don't Matter To Me. And this new album, uh, I believe it's a double album, has really taken the music industry by storm. Of course, there are mixed feelings about that. A lot of people seem to think he sort of bought his way onto, you know, the, the charts. But of course, he's using unreleased Michael Jackson vocals, which, uh, you know, for this community, of course, is really exciting to hear. Um, I know the song is really popular, and I'm always, always glad for an opportunity for people who might not be a Michael Jackson fan to hear a vocal by, um, you know, in a song by someone else they're already listening to. I myself am not a huge fan of the track, um, but I know everybody else loves it. So if you guys uh, like it, I'd love to hear what you think. Damien, I'm going to pass to you first, and then I will wrap it up after you. Okay, well, the song that we're talking about don't Matter to Me samples an unreleased song that Michael Jackson recorded with Paul Anker, who Michael Jackson fans may know is the gentleman that co-wrote Love Never Felt So Good. And the song that was released is This Is It on the This Is It soundtrack. So in 1980, Michael Jackson spent a couple of weeks at Paul Anker's home where he has a studio and they just bounced ideas for for that two weeks and came up with a whole bunch of different ideas, some sketches, some demos, and the Don't Matter To Me sample is taken from one of those demos. The actual original version of the song has never been heard by the public before, so what it actually sounds like is anyone's guess. The version that is in the Drake song is obviously heavily manipulated. We get it the way we get it, and you can take it or leave it, I guess. My personal thoughts on the song... Um, I'm not a Drake fan, so it's interesting to me my the way I feel about the song. I don't particularly like Drake, but I do like the song, probably mostly because of the Michael Jackson factor. I probably would never have even bothered to listen to any of the songs on Drake's album had there not been a you know a Michael Jackson headline that took me there. I do think the production is kind of easy to listen to. It's nice. What Drake is singing is meaningless and pointless and who cares. And the Michael Jackson vocal being so heavily manipulated is not great. I mean, to put it as nicely as I can. Um, I just want to hear Michael the way Michael was. And I put a tweet out when it all happened. I kind of showed the track to my mum, who's 60 years old. And her response was something along the lines of, well, why would they do that to Michael's vocal? Like, Michael's fans love Michael's voice the way it is, and the public loves Michael's voice the way it is. You know, there's no need to manipulate it. Um, and she actually said she wouldn't have even recognized that it was Michael if I hadn't told her it was. And then juxtapose that with while I was out driving Uber the other night, one of my passengers used the auxiliary cord to play their own stuff and they played Don't Matter To Me in the car. And I kind of just kept quiet and let them say what they wanted to say about it. And every time the Michael Jackson sample came in, this guy kept going, damn, Michael has a great voice. Damn, that, damn, he can sing. Like, what an amazing voice. Like, no one sings like that these days. And I thought that was really interesting because I'm like, when I hear it, all I'm hearing is some weird distortion, like, 
I'm not even really hearing the way that I know that Michael would have originally sung it, but this person that was playing it was just absolutely in awe of it. Like, it was something in the music industry that he hadn't had recently with, like, this great, iconic, legendary singer singing on this track. And um, he was shocked when I told him it came from 1980. He could not believe it. He thought it just sounded so new and so fresh and so modern. And it's just interesting. Horses for courses, I guess. Different people have different tastes and it's going to affect different generations differently. And people who appreciate different things in music differently or the different artistic expressions that we can make. And um, I don't know. Like, There's a million different ways to look at it and through a million different lenses and perspectives. Um, another perspective that I that came to mind when thinking about the song was the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis philosophy of, you know, of all art comes from somewhere before and sampling is one of their most um, trademark characteristics in, in music and they feel it's just a new a, a way to introduce something old to, to someone new. So, you have to respect different people's perspectives. But me, I don't... The fact that the vocal was unreleased at all, I think... I wouldn't have used it at all to begin with. You could have sampled something that Michael did release. That would have probably floated better with me. Um, I don't think Michael's unreleased work should be coming out at all. I still do like the song. I can't deny that. So, very, very conflicting from my perspective. And I've just rambled a hell of a lot. Why don't you tell us what you think, Q? It was all very interesting rambling. was very interesting. Did you mention that... I, I may have missed it. Did you mention how... It was probably Paul Anker that approached Drake to do this collaboration. Yeah, that's an interesting interesting point you make. Um, without knowing what he was actually talking about specifically, Paul Anker was approached a few years ago by TMZ in the street. And there was the, the story was that Paul Anker had approached Jay-Z to have Jay-Z rap on one of Paul Anker's unreleased Michael Jackson songs. And they didn't specify the title of the song, like which one it was. And it was around the time of the Love Never Felt So Good thing. I can't remember if it was before or after. I haven't looked into it in that much detail in retrospect. But um, yeah, Paul Anker really was clearly trying to make use of his unreleased Michael Jackson work. And he has to be the luckiest reject collaborator that Michael ever worked with because, you know, now this is the third song. We had This Is It, which was originally called I Never Heard, um, which, you know, they worked on in that those same 1980 sessions that Michael never used. Um, and then they gave it to Sapphire, who released it in 1991, and that came out and didn't do much. And Michael and Paul Anker were the, co-writers of that on on the release so it wasn't like it was a big secret and then the estate released it in 2009 on the this is it soundtrack not a complete song like michael's version is incomplete it's it's still a demo there's still lyrics that are kind of up in the air and a little bit mumbly and things like that not recorded on multi-track tape they couldn't separate the piano from the from the vocal and the same thing with love never felt so good again they didn't have multi-track tape they couldn't get the piano off the background and they manipulated and edited it to, to try and make use of it and i think did a good job with both of the songs the way they did edit them but not that they should have been edited at all but or even come out at all in my opinion 
But yeah, this is the third one from Paul Anker's little treasure trove of unreleased Michael Jackson songs. And the, the most interesting thing for me is the success that the ones that Paul Anker has co-written is on a whole different level to the success of any of the other stuff that's come out. You know, like, there is unreleased collaborations that have been released, co-written by people like L.A. Reid and Babyface with Slave to the Rhythm, and there was a couple of songs by Dr. Freeze, and there's the Corey Rooney song, She Was Loving Me, which was released on the Escape album, and, you know, those songs were all complete songs like fully fully tracked vocals multi-track vocals multiple multiple takes michael clearly invested a lot in the recording of those songs and not a great deal of success on any of those individual songs but the paul anchor unreleased incomplete mumble demos have just been blockbuster successes like the this is it track was on a soundtrack album that sold 5 million copies and in a film that made $260 million at the box office. Like, that is huge. And Love Never Felt So Good was a a top 10 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, top 10 in markets all around the world, and the lead single of a studio album. And it's a demo. It's It's an incomplete demo. And now the Drake one, who knows what level of completion the actually original track of this is, But again, huge success. It's already charted in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 and it hasn't even been released as a single. Hasn't got a video, hasn't been given any kind of promotion. It's just charted on its own merits for people's interest in the track and people are enjoying it and streaming it and and there you have a a top 10 hit. Number two in the UK. And it's been, it was the most streamed song overall worldwide for like six consecutive days when it came out and it's still at number two. So, I, I just think it's phenomenal that, that that Paul Anker has got so lucky. I don't know. I interviewed Kathy Wakefield who actually rewrote parts of Love Never Felt So Good when it was re-released by Johnny Mathis in 1984. Well, it wasn't re-released. It was the first time it was released. It was released by Johnny Mathis in 1984 and to finish the lyrics because they were still in a demo form and they were incomplete and they were mumbled. She brought that to a level of completion. And then when I interviewed her for, um, for my book, for the love never felt so good chapter, she said that at the time when these collaborations were happening with Michael and Paul Anker and those people that they felt even then what they were, her quote is that they felt that what they were doing then was special. Like they knew they were doing something special. And even though, the songs weren't fully complete. They still knew that they were special. And she said that that's probably why they translate today and why they're so successful today, even in the way that they were left, you know, 38 years ago, because they're special. So, I mean, you can put as much effort in. You can, what's the saying? You can polish a turd, but it's still a turd. These aren't polished, but they're still little gems. So... Um, I think you're going to like the music track we're going to play after this news story then, Damien, Um, because we're playing a remix which does not feature Drake. Remix of a remix. maybe you'll like it more. Sort of. Yeah, it is. It's a remix of a remix. Um, So coming up after this, we're going to be playing the Mike Tompkins featuring Michael Jackson Don't Matter to Me remix, which is a a cappella artist 
Mike Tompkins, a cappella artist, and he did a version of the song all with his own vocals, no instruments. He did the Drake vocals and the Michael vocals, I think, and all the background music, all a cappella style. So someone has then got that mix and put it with Michael's vocals to make this other one. So maybe you'll enjoy that. But So it's a remix of a remix of a remix. Of a remix, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the song. I love the Michael vocals. I don't like Drake songs. I don't like his vocals, but I like the style of the track and I like the style of the vocals. And yes, I can't wait one day to hear the vocals as they were left by Michael untouched. But for this track, they fit and it suits it and I like it. And the song is constantly in my head. When I say the song, I mean only the Michael <laughs> singing part, only his little loop of background vocals. That's the only part that's repetitively going around and around in my head. And I'm happy that it's done so well on the charts. So why don't now we hit play on that remix of the remix by the remix artist done in the acapella remix, Mike Tompkins featuring Michael Jackson. <laughs> Don't matter to me.
author of the MJ 101 series, and you're listening to the MJ cast. So getting into our next story, I am personally really excited about this and I'm so jealous of London dwellers who get all the good stuff. So the prestigious British Film Institute in London has announced a screening of Moonwalker, one of my favorite films of all time, on August 29th for Michael's birthday. And it is followed by an MJ party. So, of course, a lot of our friends of the show and our correspondents will be going. Um, Really wish I could be there. And it should be a lot of fun. And the latest I heard was that they had actually moved the screening to their largest theater there um, because of demand. So I think a lot of people are going to go. It sounds like it'll sell out. Uh, Really fantastic. Should be a lot of fun. I will be there in spirit. Do you guys have any thoughts on that one? No, I have no thoughts. I think screening Moonwalker is great. That's I don't really have any thoughts on. I mean, it is yeah, it's it's good. Moonwalker is not my favorite thing, but <gasps> it's not your favorite thing. I'm definitely not opposed to it getting screen time. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh, a bit of a hot mess, really, I isn't love, it? I see. I I grew up on Moonwalker. Like, it doesn't matter that it's a hot mess. It's when I was a kid watching the whole kind of like super like little you know short section kind of montage thing. Oh my gosh! And I I I have no words. I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, I think it's. A, I wish I had have discovered it as a child, looking at it through <laughs> a child's eyes, because I <laughs> I discovered it a little bit later in my like early teen years, and it just. Uh, okay. Yeah, it just didn't. No. Mm. I love Michael. Yeah. <laughs> love it. So this is actually. Um, I, I'm very happy that like now it's even going to be screened in a bigger cinema because they were selling out of tickets. But it makes me sad because we in Perth here in Western Australia were meant to have a Moonwalker screening as part of a um, pop-up winter cinema film festival. And they didn't make enough ticket sales and they cancelled the Moonwalker screening here. So I'm like really sad because I almost saw it on a big screen, but not. So feel free to go on Instagram or Facebook and search for Girls School Cinema, which is a part of the um, Fringe World Festival circuit. And go onto Girls School Cinema page or Instagram for me and any other Perth fans, please, and demand that they do publicise and put Moonwalker back on their screening schedule because, I, like, it annoys me that here local 
fans didn't know about it so they didn't i only found out about it like literally a few days before shout out to julie and to jake i think that were talking about it in our group chat it was like not really heard about so i didn't get a chance to get the word out about it and they didn't sell enough tickets and it was on the late session so they canned it but then the the bfi are like selling out i'm like that's great for them i want to see it too Makes me sad. Well, it probably helps that the On the Wall show is going on now and London is primed to be paying attention. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So, guys, go and enjoy it. Go get your tickets in London and enjoy it. And don't forget, Girls School Cinema on Facebook and Instagram. Tell them, screen Moonwalker. There are fans that do want to see it. Just not me. What is this note? Leaky Leaks. I have a note in the show notes here, Leaky Leaks. I didn't put that there. I think I know what this is, but I don't have a lot of details on it. There was some music leaks come out of unreleased tracks, which happens a lot. The only one, I can't even remember what songs were in the, the leaks. The only one that I do remember that I think should, for me, if the only thing that MJ Estate ever released ever, one more thing. Just one thing, it would be the track Faces, as it is, untouched. That's it. If they did that, I would be stoked and happy and satisfied forever. So that was part of this little Leaky Leaks thing, but I can't even remember the other tracks. I haven't actually got a lot of info here, so sorry, Jamin, I know you popped that in the show notes. I know what it is. Some some tracks leaked, but I think it was only, it was segments, wasn't it? It was segments that came out. Are we talking about? The seminar? Possibly. Who knows where it came from? We can't really confirm or deny, and we won't because we don't talk about specific details about those sort of things. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But if you you know the other tracks that were in it, and were they only segments? Yes, they were very short segments, which is ridiculous and doesn't. I mean, I I just don't see the point of it. I it makes me personally upset. So. Sorry, Damon, you can probably talk in more detail about it. I was just going to say, there's no point to really bring attention to which songs they were. They shouldn't have been played in the first place That's and they true. shouldn't have been bootlegged in the first place and they shouldn't have been leaked. There's a series of events that have all unfolded which have led us to have snippets of unreleased Michael Jackson songs in low quality on the internet and a lot of people are responsible in different ways and it's just unacceptable. It shouldn't be happening. Everyone who's in one way or another contributing to this, please stop. You are not welcome. Thank you. Perfect. That's so well said. <laughs> that was well said. Cool. Yes. Uh, moving on to some really fun news. So the fashion house Balmain launched its spring 2019 menswear collection featuring a lot of Michael Jackson inspired designs. And this is from the designer Olivier Roasting. Um, and definitely take the time to go to our show notes, go to the link, check these out. I think they're really, really fun. Um, have you guys seen the, the actual photos of the fashion? Yes. Yes. I think they're fantastic. Oh, there's so many. It's more than you could really go through, but uh, unless you have some time. But they're super fun. I, I love that they're just a really respectful, playful, whimsical, still um, still on the classy side. I mean, they're not totally cheeseball or anything, but just really terrific references mostly to um kind of thriller era uh costuming and videos they're awesome damien you should be walking the catwalk wearing this stuff oh god (laughs) 
yeah. My worst great. nightmare. But they're awesome. <laughs> they are really cool. So many cool outfits. There's one thing that, that... Yeah, I love them. That one from the history trailer, though, I don't think that anybody would ever wear that. <laughs> that was a miss, you know, from the um, from the promotional trailer that Michael filmed for the history album. That one was shocking. But everything else was amazing. I thought they were all super cool. That one that you have the poster of, the silver and black. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that outfit. And I don't know. I was actually really surprised that they translated it so well to like a tracksuit top. I'm like, how the bloody hell did they manage to do that? Because it's like not even a jacket. It's actually like a track top. Mm. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's impressive. <laughs> I, I was surprised by that one the most. Oh, I was really? Like, that was a bold, bold move for them to even attempt to do that, let alone turn it into like a long sleeve t-shirt track jacket. But um, the other jackets, the proper jackets, wow, loved them. The colours and stuff on some of them and the stuff that even isn't directly lifted from Michael designs but inspired by, like the ones with the writing on them and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, if I won the lotto, I would – because this is like high fashion, so this is expensive AF. But oh my god, I would love to have many, many of these pieces. Some cat incredible. There's a slideshow, like Elise said, linked in the show notes. It's very worth seeing. Mm. It's the classiest bedazzling I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> even classier than Jermaine's guitar. Yep, <laughs> that's it. Oh, man, that's, that's cool. Go check it out. There's like a slideshow of like 120 pieces that they were featuring in this um, 2019 menswear spring collection by pretty sure a French designer, Olivier Rostang. The music. The magic. The madness. The man. Michael Jackson. Nothing could prepare you for his movie. Moonwalker. A movie like no other. Starts Monday at the Village Cinema City and Village Parramatta. Hi, this is Linton Guest, the author of The Trials of Michael Jackson, and you're listening to the MJ cast. This will be an exciting, not little news clip. But there is a new remix of You Are Not Alone. (laughs) Oh, my God. Everyone's favorite track. Cute. I love you. (laughs) If you you ever wanted a longer version of You Are Not Alone, (laughs) your dreams have come true. The incredible remix artist, and I mean that sincerely, I love the work by Single White Glove. SWG has released a new You Are Not Alone extended mix. So for all the Yana lovers out there, enjoy a 10-minute long version, (laughs) which I won't be playing on the show or the mixtape. So, yes, enjoy. Go check it out. I have linked it in the show notes for you to go and enjoy. There is actually some really nice, cool vocals, and I like how they've worked. They sound like different sort of vocals that were not used in the original release. And I like the instrumentation. Ten minutes of Yana is a tad too long for me, <laughs> and it's a tad too long for this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> it does sound really nice. I Do you like it, Elise? It. Oh, uh, well, I mean, not for ten minutes, but um, but no, it sounds fantastic. 
Uh, I haven't listened to it and I will not be listening to it. <laughs> but again, like you said, single white glove. Very, very good stuff. Very, very big fan. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and I see Jamin's left a note for us here that there are also more mixes coming soon from Single White Glove. He thinks he's working. Oh, yes, I did see this actually on Twitter. He was discussing working on basically from scratch version of Wannabe starting something. So that I'm looking forward to for sure. You can make that 10 minutes long. Just saying. I'd listen to that. I'll probably play that in the show if it's 10 minutes as well. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> Single white glove, 10 minute version of Wanna Be Starting Something. You'll have thousands of Michael Jackson fans listening to it exclusively on the MJ cast. <laughs> well, that's, I have to say, like, we'd been sort of um, wanting to play a lot of the Single White Glove stuff for a while, and we actually put the feelers out because they're really good mixes, but they are very, very long mixes. And sometimes I feel guilty about playing an eight minute, 10 minute. 11 minute track whatever they are in the show i don't want it sort of to take up too much of your time maybe people don't always enjoy them so you used the billy jean one didn't you that was our episodes are like three hours long no one will mind <laughs> we did and the thriller one the billy jean one was really yeah the thriller one was good too yeah and recently i think we played this year a working day and night mix mm-hmm. pretty sure mm-hmm. that was great too So this is a very interesting little thing which may have slipped under the radar for people, especially those that are not on social media. But Michael's good friend Omar Batty finally revealed the long-rumoured original Golden Invincible album cover artwork. And I think people have been, like, talking about this for such a long time that it's sort of become this fabled piece of Michael Jackson lore. But now it's actually out there in an Instagram video post that he popped up. I was pretty happy to have seen this finally. Like we've heard the story that it was um, Michael basing this on a, which I'm trying to find in the background and hopefully I'll, while you guys are talking, I'll find details, but it was based on a piece by an artist of a little boy painted in gold and photographed just around the face and the hair. And it was based on that. And then Karen Faye did the makeup, painted him gold, face gold, everything, and photographed him with the black background. And then we don't know who changed the design or where the change came from, but, of course, the Invincible cover was a sort of almost washed-out image of Michael's face with the digitised eye and not much detail at all. So to see this the way, not in great quality, but to see it at all, I think was pretty exciting. Damien, what were your thoughts on finally seeing this? It was cool. Had they actually used it, it would have been the first time that Michael had appeared on his own album cover since the Bad album. Um, so dangerous, obviously, is artwork. History is is a digital representation of the sculpture. And Blood on the Dance Floor is artwork as well. So it would have been, would have been the first time that we actually had a real photo of Michael on his own album cover. But... Um, I think it was cool. I think it gives the estate an option for when they 
reissue the Invincible album in some con- kind of commemorative form to potentially use that in some way now that we know that it exists and we can all hound them for it I'm not unhappy with the album cover that he ended up using I definitely like Michael's attempts at recreating you know great art from the past iconic art you know we see it in the You're Not Alone video we see it with what he originally hoped would be the bad album cover with the lace over the the lens and, and that kind of thing so I mean Michael always, always made things that inspired him present in his work. It's cool. I like it. I found the artist's name. It's a, a piece um, by artist Albert Watson was the original artist. So I'm not sure of the actual piece's name, but uh, Google Albert Watson and Michael Jackson Invincible cover and you will see the inspirational piece for it how about you miss elise yeah i love it i think it's beautiful um i i wish it had been the cover i'm i'm not i'm not never been the the biggest fan of the invincible cover um although i know a lot of people loved the different colors they put out and everything um but it has like an intimacy about it that i think is really um intriguing and would have been really nice in in that package so so yeah maybe someday they'll do something with it if we can hold the estate to that level um that would be nice also in the video that omar shot were some other invincible cover alternatives which feature the photo shoot that's found inside the booklet which is absolutely one of my favorite photo shoots ever and it was those michael dancing segmented uh images across the cover in the different colors so in the video omar shot there's mock-ups of the white cover a orangey red cover and a blue cover where michael's dressed in that black and white outfit dancing and then on top is the gold face close-up shot Mm. very interesting Okay, well, um, are we ready to move along here? So, um, so next, really, this this is not really a news item. This is more a question to you guys. Um, so we have Michael Jackson's birthday, of course, coming up on August 29th. Um, we've already talked to you about some things like the Moonwalker uh, screening. And we would really like to know what's happening. I mean, I want to hear from both of both of you guys about if anything uh, you know about. But we also want to hear from the wider world. Hit us up on social media after you hear our, this episode. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what you are organizing. If you don't have something happening in your city already, we encourage you to get out there and do it yourself, even if it's something small. Um, Q, I know you do your uh, little fundraiser luncheons, which is fantastic. Any little thing still makes a difference and still allows you to connect IRL in real life with other fans. And that means a lot, especially on these big days. So let us know what's going on. Do you guys have anything you're going to be doing? I think we're locked in for the date of the 25th of August, which I believe is a Saturday. And um, do a search for Michael Jackson Fans Perth and you'll find um, our page and connect that way for local fans here. Uh, Or if you want, email me at themjcast at icloud.com and I can pass some details along to you. But, yeah, we're looking at doing our little charity get together possibly a dinner this year at the Fast Eddie's 
uh, restaurant, which is in Perth City, down near Perth Arena, which is not far from where Michael received the key to the city back in the 80s when he was here. Um, so that's pretty cool, and I'm excited because it's good food, good prices, and it's great friends catching up. I did get to see a few of the little Perth MJ group recently. We caught up, um, bumped into each other, which was really nice. That was always really cool. And, of course, as much as we try not to maybe talk about Michael the whole time, it does sort of happen. It just you know, they're talking about stuff they've seen recently or stuff they've heard about on this show and, you know, memories and some of the younger ones are like still upset that they were too young when he came here for the history tour. And it's always really, really good fun. So what about yourself, Elise? I will be watching Moonwalker and glaring from the other side of the world at Damien. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just don't love it. You probably love parts of it. Yeah. In isolation. Yeah. Yeah, in isolation. It's just because it's an awesomely 80s hot mess. (laughs) It's all the ingredients together don't make your favorite pie. Exactly. <laughs> Good one. They make my favorite pie. Exactly. <laughs> Damien, what do you maybe have anything in mind for Michael's birthday this year? Is anything happening in Queensland? Oh, I don't have any plans for Michael's birthday. I tend these days uh, to kind of just do those things on my own a little bit. I don't know. I might lay in my bed with my eyes closed and listen to an album or... I wish I had more documentaries to watch. That's one thing I wish the estate would do is documentaries. I love documentaries. When you've seen them all a hundred times, it's like, oh. But yeah, I'll probably just enjoy one of the albums and just drift off into my own little world and just try and feel Michael as much as I can. And yeah, I think that's the nicest way I can imagine spending the birthday. Well, we do encourage anyone that has plans or know of events in their city, send us a link, themjcast at icloud.com, and we can share the news and bring attention to the event to celebrate Michael Jackson on his, what would have been, 60th birthday. This is a very special year, and I think we should all try and um, each do our own things to celebrate Michael. So let us know. We've got a few news stories that broke just this morning. It was a crazy morning. First up, the Michael Jackson Academia Studies look like their Michael Jackson courses are now available for free. That's something. That's very interesting. So I'm going to go and investigate that. haven't got a lot of details yet, but if you visit the Michael Jackson Academia Studies, which was the Academia portion, which went in conjunction with the podcast, um, which we I enjoy. I always enjoy when new episodes come out from Karen or Elizabeth. But head over to the Facebook page, find the link for MJAS and check out what this is. But maybe you've had your eye on a course to learn more about Michael. And at the moment, they're showing for free. Go check it out. That was exciting. Also, this morning, um, Elise, you might have more insight into this. I had a quick look at what was available, but it's been announced as part of the Diamond celebration for Michael's birthday this year that 
most of Michael's albums are to be officially re-released as picture disc LPs at a price of US $175, a vinyl anthology box set. They look very pretty. I like the box. I see they've got some details wrong with bad. They're saying it's not available. This is the first time it's available as a picture disc. I'm pretty sure in my MJ collection in the back room in my library, I've got a bad picture disc from before, so I'm not sure how they could stuff that up. But then again, yes, we know how. But um, Elise, have you got any other details on this? Um, not too many more. A couple little things. I agree they look fantastic. Um Although some people today on Twitter were saying that the picture discs, if you're actually going to play vinyl as opposed to just display them, don't play as well. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed with this box set, I have to admit, because if you know me on my personal accounts on social media, I have just recently started going crazy again with collecting vinyl. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is landing at exactly the moment where I'm just going bonkers with it. But I don't know if I'm going to buy it or not, but it is an estate project and there are some issues. But anyway, yeah, several people also online have said that there definitely is a picture disc of bad already. So I don't know why they're saying that. Um, and then it started floating around that they were remastered, but that's, I don't really believe that's true and it doesn't say it on the website. So I don't think that the estate would remaster anything without letting us know 500 times over. Um, and then still not remastering them after they told us they had. So anyway, it's a gorgeous package. And uh, oh, and I should say also two important things on the bad album. Uh, Leave me alone is not on there. It decided to be left alone. And uh, <laughs> blood on the <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> I had to do that. And uh, Blood on the Dance Floor is not part of the set, which I know a bunch of people were bummed out about. But it is a little pricey as is, so um, I'm imagining part of that decision was not wanting to up the price. Or also there's talk about, and maybe Damon, you probably know more about this than I do, there being royalty issues with the Blood on the Dance Floor album, and maybe that causing some issue about them doing a new Ooh, I'm not sure of it. Yeah. Blood on the Dance Floor was also, I think, maybe I'm very wrong here, but left out of a Japan re-release of, like, mega high-quality CDs that they re-released for buyers in Japan. I know in Blu-ray you can get, like, 4K Blu-rays, and there's some sort of mega version of audio quality that Sony released in Japan, and of all the albums, Blood on the Dance Floor was not included in that. I could be wrong. I know you will correct me, someone out there, a million times. But I was so confused. Where, like, I was like, oh, I thought that's like the second time that blood hasn't been included. But I can't imagine why there would be issues. Like it was being put out before on CD and cassette and possibly vinyl. I think I have a blood on the dance floor vinyl. So Yeah, I'm not sure. It is interesting, though, to watch people talk. I mean, people were going crazy talking about this online today. And, um, you know, I even saw some people saying, well, Blood on the Dance Floor is just a remix album, which I'm thinking, no, it's really strange. So but apparently, at least in certain areas of the maybe casual fan community, people still think of it that way. I don't know. Um, but 
anyway, but it still looks like a great set. Um, again, it is an estate product. Well, what will the quality be on them? Hard to say visually from what we can tell so far, it's quite beautiful. That will be, um, it's not available for order yet, but it will be available. Uh, you can pre-order it. It'll be available to ship on, I believe, August 22nd. Awesome. Well, like they like you said before, you know, they're ramping up, they're doing stuff for this anniversary of Michael's for his birthday and it's a lot more than a online celebration which they've done before they've pulled that stunt before they've released just like posts online or horrendously designed t-shirts and i've got to say browsing through the store there's some actual decent t-shirts for sale for a change they've totally changed who's doing all their visual art for merchandise because this is very different stuff that's available there was an awesome beat it shirt that i'm like hmm that is pretty cool <laughs> yeah the stuff is way better i think so who knows who knows what's going on maybe a few years from now we'll be happier but yeah i try to be i try to be optimistic i mean that's what we want isn't it we want them to lift their game that's what we continue to whinge about so when they do it we can't be <laughs> snarky about it like Oh, look at the Michael Jackson estate lifting their game. Oh, what a, what a bunch of idiots. Like, it, it's a good thing. It's because it, it's what people experience when they go to look up Michael Jackson stuff. So, if it's better than it was before, then that has to be a good thing. It's only a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So, that was big surprise news in the 4 million notifications that I've had on my devices when I woke up this morning. Interesting <laughs> and good. We'll... Um, Enjoy it if you're going to get it. If you're not going to get it, good for you as well. Everyone can enjoy different things and make up their own minds. But I'm glad that it is more than an online celebration or terribly designed T-shirt visuals like previous efforts in the past. That's for sure. Elise, how are you? Yes, I'm, I'm fantastic. You're doing very well. You're having a great time and presenting great. Thank you for helping me do this today and one of the reasons that we very much wanted to get you on as soon as possible after um your recent experiences with uh your mj week in la stories you had a yeah. great week of different events over the anniversary of michael's passing and we'd love to hear a little bit about it and some of the wonderful people that you met and yeah now is your time to shine at least Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to share a, a little quick version of some of the awesome stuff I got to do in LA um, uh, through MJ Week. And um, so I live in San Diego. So I'm right, I'm just an hour and a half of L from south of LA. So it's not too far away. And uh, I went up for three days. I know a lot of people went up for the whole week, which is amazing. Um, I was there for three days and had a great great time. And I would say the, I mean, the, the best thing, and for me, this is about kind of, if any of you listeners have heard the first episode I was on where I talked about my fan story and everything, I did talk a bit about, you know, never really having an in-person group of kind of super fan friends. Um, and so it was so special to me to be able to go up to LA. I was there June 22nd through 24th and um, just be around my people. And it was wonderful, really rewarding. Um, and I, 
I saw I saw more people than I'll even try to list because I'll know I forget I'll forget people. But um, but it was terrific. So my primary reason for going up there was um, Brad Sundberg's um, uh, in the studio with Michael Jackson, which of course, if you haven't heard Brad's episode, you can go way back to episode fifteen. Um, of the podcast and hear all about that. But he brought in amazing guests. Uh, we had on the first day it was Captain EO. I'm a huge Captain EO fan. That was actually kind of the origin of my fandom. Do you like Captain EO, Damien? No comment. <gasps> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> we'll be friends anyway. But um, so I love Captain EO. For me, it's like represents my entire childhood it's wonderful so i i spent my whole childhood going to disneyland and seeing captain eo and um i mean from almost the moment it first opened so for me it's a really special thing um so we went through the whole making of captain eo and the really great thing if you have not been to one of brad's seminars is these guests he brings in so for us on that first day we had matt forger and john barnes who it's just so special. I mean, that's why I go to Brad's events. Um, the, the biggest reason is it's so special to see these guys who were there in the moment, you know, with the magic, making it happen. And just in case you guys don't know, I think you probably all do. John Barnes was doing a lot of the work with Synclavia. He really took over from James Horner. And he also uh, did a lot of the, he did some of the songwriting on Captain EO. Um, and Matt Forger was doing all of the, a lot of the other, of course, sound stuff and mixing it and doing all kinds of custom work. I mean, just to be reminded of everything that went into the making of Captain EO is magical and really special for me. Um, and then day two, we got the Havenhurst sessions, both Forger and, and Barnes were back and also Bill Petrell, which was pretty incredible. Um, and it was the first time that Brad Sundberg and Bill had seen each other in years and years and years. So it was pretty special to see them. And the, one of the things I loved, if my notes in this were correct, Bill's apparently Bill's first project with Michael Jackson was state of shock which i it's a song i love so much and and he was supposedly in the studio with mj and freddie mercury which to me is like my head explodes immediately so that was great um yes yeah, so there was three days of that um everyone if i if you're hearing this and i saw you there thank you so much for your warmth you were just wonderful um and uh and then just a couple other things i did um which if you go up to la for la week sometime in the future is worth doing um i did attend the fourth annual mj kop blue gangsta celebration which was at the graph lab if you guys don't know this mural it's really terrific. It's right outside of downtown um, LA and is the dangerous eyes on the side of this huge building. And there's just something really special about having a party like in front of this incredible mural. Um, Ola Ray was there. I got to meet her. It was primarily um, a lot of uh, little dance groups. Actually, a lot of, I say little because they were actually kids, um, which were, was so cute. There were there was one group of little 
uh, four little brothers that were tiny. One kind of kept wandering off. Um, and there was a bit of the kind of lip syncing thing and all that, which I'm not so much into as a fan, but it was wonderful seeing everybody there as, you know, just a celebration, again, really warm and welcoming um, and a lot of fun to be at. Um, and then a couple other things, because I just had a crazy couple of weeks. I also got to see Who's Bad, which... Um, Again, I'm not I'm not so into the tribute artist thing usually, but Who's Bad I actually really love and really respect because they're a full live band. They're singing instead of lip syncing, and um, and it's all for me about the respect of Michael Jackson. So I think they're doing a great job as a group. Um, and I got to see Tito Jackson just a few days ago. So I've had a huge Jackson month and it's been totally awesome and i actually get to go see the jacksons next month so my head oh is like exploding God. all over the place okay wow. so it's fun back backtrack just a touch tito jackson tell us about that was this part of the um the band that he's in at the moment yeah so he is touring with bb king's blues band um which is just fantastic um, and wonderful so they played first um without him for the first bit of the show and um and it's wonderful i love the blues so that was a real treat um just an awesome band they did have a singer and then yeah tito came on and really stole the show i mean he's amazing to watch play um guitar so and as you guys know i had a terrible view if you saw the video i posted yeah like <laughs> i guess it's so bad because the only thing between you and tito was the stage Yes, like you, I was literally standing row? under him. Wow. <laughs> I was, yes, I was right there. So it was great. Um, really fun show. Um, and the, the show had actually taken place. It really was just a few days after Joe Jackson's passing. So he did comment on that a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, you know, what he said was the best thing he could think of to do at a time like this was to be on stage doing what he loved. So I thought that was really special. That is so cool. Man, friend of the show, Tito Jackson, and you were like front row. Um, I guess with the, the party celebration things at the Graph Lab and, and the Who's Bad, and seeing some of the tribute acts might not be your favorite thing, but I guess I hear in your voice and you could agree with that that's only a tiny element of it. It's actually being a part of something bigger and celebrating together with others that makes those events and being at something that you might not generally enjoy in isolation, but being a part of that with other fans, you really enjoy that? Absolutely. And that's that's what it's all about is coming together celebrating this music, celebrating this person we all really loved. Um, have, seeing the little little kids there too who are growing up with this music um, and who, you know, are going to keep carrying it on, I think is fantastic. Um, the Blue Gangster Celebration was also a um, fundraiser uh, for a children's hospital, I believe. Um, so that was, that was a great element too. So yeah, I mean, it's all of it's for love. All of it's wonderful. That's very cool. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences for MJ Week in June. I've been very much looking forward to hearing about it. So thank you. And shout out to everyone there that apparently um, knew Elise from the MJ cast and was very welcoming and good friends with her. So that was really cool. Thank you, everyone. Yes. Thank you. 
Happy thank guys. you for listening to the show. Thank you for subscribing. Yes, thank you for <laughs> subscribing. That's the best thing. Might be a good time for a little music break now. And then after that, Damien, we're going to talk about your book release, which we're very excited and I've been reading bits and pieces of during the week. So we're going to cross to a new remixed by Nick track now. This one is the Nick Deluxe mix of Wondering Who, which is from the Victory album, I believe, and it features some unreleased Michael Jackson vocals as well. Fasten your seatbelts. Take it away, Nick.
What's up, everybody? This is Nick, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. That was the Nick Deluxe mix of Wondering Who. There is longer versions on his channels, so go check that out. We'll have a link to this one, uh, as well as all the other mixes that we play in the show, in the show notes. Uh, I think the unreleased vocals came from portions of the track that were recorded, but then were cut so that they could fit other stuff on the victory LP. So that's pretty cool. And I love that little Michael bridge bit. That's really cool. So hope you enjoyed that. Now, Damien, you are our main discussion topic today. You are releasing a revised edition of your escape origins book. So it is now titled Michael Jackson, The Songs and Stories from the Vault. And it is an expanded version of your previous book. There's some differences in it. Let's get into it. Why a new edition of the book now? Uh, That's a good question. I guess um, when I first wrote Escape Origins, it was kind of, in reaction to the release of the Escape album, I was, I felt at the time that there was, if you're going to put these songs out, which obviously I've made it clear that I don't think that the unreleased work should be released at all, but that's their prerogative. They have, they're entitled to do it. They've made the decision to do it. Because of that, I feel like if they are going to make that decision and put this stuff out, 
we need to know what it is and where it comes from. And there wasn't a great deal of information provided about the origins of the songs. And I don't think it's necessarily good for Michael's legacy to have stuff that he didn't personally choose to release put out without putting it into its proper context, you know? So, from which era does each song come and how long was it worked on and who worked on it? And the people who really spent, you know, days, weeks, months, and even years, in some cases, decades, working on this stuff with Michael to try and bring it to a, a level of completion that that it ended up being when Michael passed away, whether that was something that Michael was satisfied with or something that he um, had abandoned or whatever it was. I think we should know what the true nature of each of the recordings are if they're coming out. So I wrote the book in response to that emotion that I was feeling at the moment. And I think the book's been out for three years. The album's been out for four years. And, you know, the album has kind of slipped into obscurity. And with the book being titled Escape Origins with an X at the beginning, whenever I would talk to someone about, oh, you know, I've written a book and it's about Michael Jackson's creative process and I try to dissect you know, the anatomy of his, of his craftsmanship and blah, blah, blah. And and so, what's it called? And I'd say, oh, it's called Escape Origins. I have to explain that it starts with an X and this is how you search for it. And it's on Amazon, but, you know, like... And then they have to remember <laughs> how to spell this obscure word. And it just... At, at the time, it seemed like the right thing to do, titling it around the album, which the songs come from, which I've spoken about. But as time has progressed, it kind of it felt like the album more and more obscure and more and more just like not timeless. It didn't have a great deal of longevity. And the reality is that the book's going to be available on Amazon forever. And I don't feel that anybody who wasn't familiar with and interested in the escape album would have been interested to engage with the book based on its old title so that I felt like it it was about time I repurposed the work that I'd done and put it into a into a package basically that would encourage people who are curious about Michael's creative process full stop to engage with the work that he did um and, and learn about it in a way that doesn't need them to be coming at it from a I have the escape album and I'm keen to learn about the songs on the escape album perspective so it's actually you know now is not necessarily a specific time that i wanted to drop it i've actually had this reissue kind of done since about october 2016 it's just taken this long to get it out basically we're all busy it's myself and james alay that work on this project and we're both busy we have lives we have other stuff going on and you know we don't get paid for this stuff. It's, you know, our time is volunteered and a lot of cost goes into the actual um, production and manufacturing of this. And so, you know, it, it just it doesn't come quickly or easily. It just has to take its natural course. And, and now is just the time that it's finally ready. So that's why now. What What's different about each chapter? Is there the same amount of chapters? What, what's the difference between this and the book that maybe some people bought either as a digital copy or as a a physical copy at the first release. Okay, so the first release, compared to the first release, I've completely rewritten the preface, which sets the tone for what the book is. And I got some feedback from people who had read the book. And like I said, the inspiration for writing it in the first place was 
I didn't feel that the estate or Sony had done their due diligence in talking about the origins of the songs. Like, you can't just put these works of art out and not tell us where they come from. So, I was, at the time, I was quite peeved about it. So, I felt like that tone, that negative tone that I was feeling translated to the preface. And the the reality is that the eight chapters, which are a dedicated chapter to each song on the Escape album, there's, there's no negativity at all. It's all completely positive and it's all just an account of the evolution of each of those songs. Looking back on it, in hindsight, and with feedback that I'd received, it didn't make sense to let that be the way that this book would remain forever. So, I rewrote the preface with a little bit more focus on um, setting the scene of Michael Jackson, you know, this creative genius, and what he means in the context of the history of music, and um, more of a soft entry so that people aren't thinking, you know, why is this guy so pissed off? And allowed the chapters to just speak for themselves a little bit more than me kind of being angry. Um, and the cha- <laughs> the chapters themselves are fairly the same, expanded somewhat. The, I think the new version of the book is about 30 pages longer than the original. Whoa. And I've just basically tried to bring biographical information, a little bit more context, and a little bit more relevant trivia and things like that to round the stories out to make, for example, because I've retitled the book because I want someone who is interested in Michael Jackson, not just Escape, to be able to read it and enjoy it, right? I want them to go away with a much more rounded understanding of where Michael came from, who he was, what was important to him, what inspired him, and what drove the creative process which and resulted in these works that we've been given. So, yeah, just a more a more biographical kind of flavor to the to the way that it's all written and 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 packaged. 30 extra pages. That's that's pretty expanded. I've got a um a very I'm going to say this is like the one of the rarest editions in my hands ever <laughs> <laughs> that you've given me. It was um the title wasn't even what you're currently calling it and it's a printed one and I've been reading it this week. I call it the captive sea mammal version. The captive sea mammal? What? You know oh. how their fin curls over when they're... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's doing that. <laughs> I was reading it this week. I was actually reading a bit on the flight last night in my break. I love, love, love the chapter... Uh, do you know where your children are? And actually, I also really love the um, escape chapter. Now, I know we've done a terrific episode, a whole special episode with you. I didn't realize it was so long ago. It doesn't seem that long ago. Episode eight, if you haven't heard way back in our first season, episode eight was actually with Damien for the launch of the Escape Origins book. Goes into a lot of detail about um, how the book came about, the writing process and also the content of it. But I was just sitting there reading last night, the chapter about the song escape. And it was just putting me into the studio. It was putting me into Carol Bayer house when Michael and Rodney first met. And then it was putting me in front of Michael as he was talking about 
Rodney Jerkins and and the um the sound of the music that he'd presented to him and said I want you to go and then go and come back with all new sounds and then we'll talk more you know the detail it just puts me in there like you're such a good writer at putting the reader in that scenario and almost being there experiencing it for yourself I love it so terrific job and oh, well, the expanded you. stuff I, it definitely adds to it you've you've not made a like a re-released version that's not as good as the original this is plussed and better so if you haven't go back listen to episode eight get more specific details about how the book came to be and everything but yeah elise you've got a question um, i saw i do yeah so even though you know you have expanded it and you know you've changed the you've changed the the way it's going to speak to readers a bit there still are going to be those people who inevitably say that Damien is double dipping here and why is he trying to sell us the same book over what do you say to that very good question the interesting thing is uh if you already own a copy of escape origins i actually wouldn't encourage you to purchase the book again that's not the point so the book is for anyone who is discovering it for the first time. I want them to discover something better than what I'd already done. I wasn't completely satisfied with it. I didn't feel it had the right tone. And I wanted the reader to come away, like I said, with a more biographical understanding of Michael's life and times with these songs also detailed. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not kind of reaching out to the existing customer base who already have the book and saying, please buy it again, I would actually express to them extreme caution. If you want to get it again, I don't know, some people collect books or whatever, fine, but I'm not actually encouraging people to do that. There is a little bit of extra stuff in there, but I don't I don't really think it's worthy of purchasing it again if you're looking to learn new stuff. Because the stuff that I've included in there as the expanded edition is probably stuff that a lot of people will already know. So, this is for the people who haven't engaged with the book, who maybe don't know as much about Michael Jackson and aren't familiar with Escape. So, the way I viewed it was, obviously, you can't please everyone and I can't write a different book for every single person who's going to buy it. I have to write one book and I have to hope that it can meet a majority of the people's demands or, you know, satisfied their what they're looking for from the book but yeah the the double dipping thing i mean it's it's a valid argument it's a valid point that people will make and i'm willing to cop it and it's it's fine but yeah i truly not trying to encourage people who already own a copy to get another copy it's just for those people who haven't yet engaged with it i want them to enjoy it as much as possible and i felt that improving what i'd done was the best way to do that and for me to feel good about considering it complete and moving on from it as well i it was always lingering. And like I said, even just telling people what the title of the book was, was difficult. Like uh, the cover art of the book, I wasn't satisfied with. I wanted to why, just... why? So we know why you changed the title, but why did you change the cover as well? I wanted to give... I wanted to... A whole new book for people who haven't bought it yet. So I wasn't happy with most of the elements of the original book. I felt what? that everything could have been improved. 
I wanted something that if I meet you for the first time and you say, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm interested in learning about Michael's creative process and and I say, well, here's my book and I just give you a copy, right? I want to be proud of what I'm giving you from the moment you see it from the outside to the moment you open it and read what's on the inside. I wanted to personally, as the person who wrote it, be happy with it. And if if, if it, I felt that I, it would continually nag at me if I felt that I had moved on with my life and other endeavors and, and whatever else and this book that could quite easily be, you know, fixed up to the way that I wanted it to be hadn't been I just I had the I had the opportunity to do it so I did it I couldn't I'm glad I couldn't, it's yeah I'm, I'm glad it's getting a new lease on life um what about people that had a digital version of the book before well is the, it the same for them the thing is with the digital copy I'm not that tech savvy but I believe on at least at least some of the digital platforms that we can actually provide the revised version for free, I think. I think we can just replace the file and then you can update. I think that's the way it works. So that anyone who already purchased digitally the book can get the updated version for free. I think that's the way it works. Um, so, I'll, cool. I'll make like a proper statement on the digital version because I, I actually just, I just don't know. Like I wrote the book, but I have to give credit where credit is due to James Allay who does all the back end stuff. So I basically give him the document with everything that I've written and he pieces the cover together and he pieces the, the inside of the book, the layout and, you know, makes it all look all nice and pretty and gets it manufactured and gets it proof checked and gets everything done. So that's really his world and he can answer that question better, but we're endeavoring where possible to give free updates and free copies and whatever, whatever we can for free where possible. It's just, I mean, writing a book like this is not about the money. If you're looking to make money, you're in the wrong career. If you're trying to write a, <laughs> a self, a self-funded kind of uh, book on Michael Jackson's artistry, that's, you know, never going to be given a platform by a bookstore or a publisher or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's really just spreading the word and letting people have access to something where they can study the anatomy of Michael's craftsmanship because, like I say in the in the new preface of the book, that's what was important to Michael, having access to studying the anatomy of craftsmanship. So, that's what's important to me with the book is doing what Michael said he loved and what he would want to read about. So, Did you do new research? included in the um the second edition in the ex- in the expanded parts i had research that i'd done before that i didn't actually include in the first ver- version and i actually had some interviews that i'd done where i i went back and read them and listened to them and you know read the transcript or listened to the the audio of the interview and i thought wow why didn't i include that that's that's a really cool story and so i've included a few of those little things here and there but um The only new research I did was I spoke to Jim Morey, who was Michael's manager at the time and who also manages the group America, about the song A Place With No Name, which is essentially a repurposed cover version of A Horse With No Name, Um, just to get a little bit of clarity over the how that went down with Michael approaching the band for permission to repurpose their song. So, there's uh, some quotes from Jim Morey in there from that new interview. And I think some, maybe some engineer stuff that that hadn't been included. And I've brought 
the main thing that I wanted to do was bring a lot more of Michael's voice into it because when I went back and read the old version, I was actually surprised with myself that I hadn't included as much original source material of Michael talking about his work. And obviously, he didn't talk about these specific eight songs because they were unreleased during his lifetime. There was no need for him to ever talk about them. There was, you know, no way a journalist could have ever asked him about them. No one knew about the songs. But there was a lot of stuff that he'd said about his art and his process in general that was applicable to the narrative that I was portraying in relation to the songs. So, for example, in the Do You Know Where Your Children Are chapter, I've included a whole bunch of stuff with Michael talking about how he looks up to Stevie Wonder and how he loves the way that Stevie gives a platform to issues. And I felt that it fit really well with what I'd already done and it enhanced it and made it, you know, a stronger story. That was in the Do You Know Where Your Children Are chapter? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes, that was such a good chapter. Yeah. Incredible. So Love I'm really that. I'm really proud with the way I've updated that one. And then there are other chapters like Loving You. There's just not too much to say about that song at all. Like the collaborators say in the chapter, in the original version, it's it was a song that came about quickly that Michael went in, he did a demo of, had it mixed, and then never thought about it again. So there's not really too much you can say about songs like that. I mean, Michael made hundreds of songs. Some of them happened quickly, some of them took decades, but they all have their own individual story and, and that's that's an example of one that has a short story. So yeah, I didn't try to I didn't try to make the chapter something that it wasn't by going too far off topic, but I also did try to give examples of similar songs and similar situations and put them into era into the eras in which they come from and into the context of what else was going on with Michael's life at the time and um, just to get a feeling of everything that was going on around the time that that song happened and all of the songs happened. So Damien, you did tell us that you self-funded the project. So in other words, you, you self-published it. And can you just briefly let us know, is that the same process you're doing for this book? It sounds like it since you have total control. Can you just give us a little bit of insight into how that process was for you and I have to imagine there are some positive sides of of doing it um, this way. Well I've got nothing to compare it to because I've never actually tried to write or publish with with the restrictions or under the guidelines of a publisher so everything that I've ever done has been self-funded and self-published and so when I say self-funded I've had to go to the states a few times for research both for this particular book and for the research regarding the Casio tracks and the Michael album. So it's all self-funded. There's, you know, it's as simple as saying it comes out of my bank account and no one's helping me with it other than the the people that were also working on it, like James and a couple of the other people. So it does give you the freedom to, to present it in whichever way you want, but it does give you limitations in the fact that you know, if you want to do any marketing, you also have to pay for that. Like if you publish with a publisher, they take care of giving it a platform and they take care of, you know, making sure that it reaches a wider audience. Well, that's an area that I'm going to struggle with is reaching the wider audience because I can only yell as far as people can hear and, and unless word of mouth carries on from there with other people spreading the word, I mean, its reach is limited. But whatever the reach is, whatever potential it does have, like I said, I wanted it to be 
and the, the the new version is something I'm happy with reaching as far and wide as it can, whereas the old version not so much. For the for the readers that you did re- did reach, sorry, what was the reception like with them? Was there a good response? Were you getting a lot of feedback? Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty overwhelmingly positive response. Um, I guess you can go through the Amazon reviews and read them if you want to have a, a good idea of the way people felt about it. So it, it was it was nice. It felt really good to have worked so hard on it and then to have people appreciate it in exactly the way that I had antici- that, that I had um, hoped that they would appreciate it for all the right reasons. And it was good. Yeah, it was a very positive reaction. So it sounds like you really successfully found your readership for kind of that version of the book, which is fantastic. The first version definitely found its readership. The second version probably won't find its readership to the fullest extent, but if it does find its way even into one person's hand who's in you know, it's readership. I want them to be reading the right version. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, with that in mind, what can the fan community be doing to really help spread the word about about your book and get it into that wider readership? Um, well, if I guess if they haven't themselves re- engaged with it, to check it out. And if they enjoy it and they find value and they feel that people that they know will find value maybe share their copy. If they've purchased it, there's no need to suggest that everyone goes and buys it. We can all uh, share it. No, I work in publishing and you're supposed to say, (laughs) everyone needs to go buy your own copy. Come on, guys. (laughs) That would be nice. Everyone can if they want to, but like, I'm a big... That's support Damien. He's doing important work. (laughs) I'm a big fan of of sharing. So if I if I buy a book and I think it's a really great book, I'll I'll let somebody else have it. Like I'll give it to a friend and never expect it back or the information is what's important. It's not what's not as important is <laughs> making money. So and and the reality is even even if I sold, you know, thousands of copies, I'm still not going to make back the money that I spent creating the book. So for me it's 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 not about that at all. And I just want every single person that picks it up and reads it, whether they've borrowed it from a friend or got a secondhand copy in a bookstore or, you know, even torrented it. And I get emails all the time with like Google news alerts with all the latest torrent sites that people are stealing the book. So at least they're reading it, I guess, if people are stealing it. But yeah, so that puts that's why I have such, such strong feelings about... um the leaks and things like that and unreleased work coming out. And yeah, I I see how like people like Brian Loren can feel when, okay, like I spent all this time creating this stuff and everyone else is just throwing it all around the internet for free. And, um, should I not have then leaked a copy of your draft book with all mistakes and the (laughs) stuff? Should I not have done that? Um, yeah, that probably wouldn't be something that would be, (laughs) I'm joking. I know. What am I going to do? Go photocopy (laughs) it at the newsagent for a dollar a page and leak it? No. All good. But, oh, my God. I've enjoyed revisiting it very much, and I hope that people that maybe want to get it again um, appreciate the new expanded detail. It takes you deeper than before. It makes me sad that you weren't maybe proud of it the first time because it was such a good book. Such a good book. It was unlike really anything else out there at the time, especially, and it set such a high standard, and now you've raised the bar again. 
I guess a lot of people also are going to want to know what's going on with the Truth Untold project. Um, it's a work in progress. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. And I think we spoke about this on the last episode that I was on, the June 25th thing. Yep. It's complicated because obviously when, when the Michael album came out and the Casio tracks were, you know, first heard by the public and we all, we all recognized immediately that it wasn't Michael. And I set about trying to kind of, again, like with Escape Origins, I was like, well, let's just like get to the root of this and figure out where these things come from and, and how this happened. And what was seemed to be a simple idea ended up, you know, eight years later, it's still unresolved, it's still incomplete. There's a lawsuit that's been in court for four years and it's it's difficult to to figure out when the right time to publish it is because it's constantly evolving. It's like you don't want to go ahead and publish something and then there's more information two months later or there's a new development with a lawsuit six months later, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping to have something available by the end of the year. It won't be the book, but it, it's going to be something else. So, stay tuned, I guess, for that. I'm working every day on stuff related to this, but... I'm not in keep a rush. Keep your ears peeled. Yeah, keep your ears peeled. I mean, I'm working as hard as I can to get it done as soon as I can. But having said that, I'm also not in a rush. I'm not going to put it out before I feel that it's ready. So, um, could you give listeners a brief idea or an understanding of just how vast your research has been on sure. the Casio project to date? Sure. Well, I live in Australia. A lot of people will obviously know that from my accent or from knowing me personally or seeing me online. Which makes it difficult um, to research something that happened in the United States. Um, as, a, as a result of that, I've had to go to the United States. I've been over there three times for research. As part of the research, I've done literally hundreds of interviews, hundreds and hundreds of interviews. These are interviews with people that include the engineers, producers, musicians that Michael worked with both in the studio and on tour. It includes interviews with people who were at the infamous listening sessions that the Casio tracks were played in when the estate was kind of gauging the opinion of people and subsequently released that statement listing all of the people who said that the voice was definitely Michael's, which you'll be learning that that's just not the case at all. That's not the way that listening session went down at all. The research includes several trips to the United States Copyright Office to inspect copyrighted material in order to gain a uh, chronological understanding of the origins and evolution of uh, both the Casio tracks, the work that uh, Eddie Casio and James Port have done together, and also Michael's catalogue of work. Um, you mean you can't just do that online, Damien? <laughs> no, you can't, unfortunately. There's several consultations with several forensic musicologists involved with the research. I mean, I've spoken to people who very, very closely connected to this whole fiasco. So, there are people who actually worked on the Casio tracks in the studio that I've spoken to. There are people who have been told things or have very personal close relationships with people involved with this who have revealed things which will startle people. Um, so, 
a lot of it, a lot of work has gone into it. And some of these interviews that I'm talking about, like I've been literally pursuing them for eight years. Some of the interviews that I've done, even this year, which are major pieces of the puzzle, which previously I didn't have, are continuing to fall into place. And the the analogy with this project that I always give is a puzzle. If you think of a puzzle with a thousand pieces and it's scattered all over the place, each individual piece of the puzzle is, I mean, it's evidence, right? But unless that piece of evidence is connected to the piece of the puzzle that's supposed to go next to it, and then those two pieces are connected to the pieces that go next to it, and then all of the pieces eventually of that thousand-piece puzzle are in their correct place, in context, explained, then you can understand the whole picture. So, for me, like, I don't see the point in publishing 700 pieces of a puzzle in place when there are a thousand to actually truly understand what the full picture is. Um, and that's, it takes time. You can't, you can't just click your fingers and make it happen. And this subject is so controversial and so touchy. Everyone who has something to say about it, everyone who knows about it is in the music industry. So, their career weighs on not wanting to piss people off who have the ability to crush their career. So, even just speaking about it at all is brave on their part. And some people still haven't wanted to talk about it at all. Like, there are some people who have just said basically nothing about this, who were, you know, intricately involved. And I have to try and find the balance of, you know, at what point do I have to just give up and and admit that those people are never going to speak about it or I'm personally not going to be able to convince them to do it? And when have I got enough? And it's like that old saying is, art is never complete, only abandoned. And I just, you know... I'm struggling with the thought of abandoning it, really. But it's a work in progress, and I think my instincts will tell me when it's right to come out, and it'll be published as soon as I can publish it. So, what is the like a brief Casio? There's the court case happening now. So, mm-hmm. in a nutshell, where what's the latest with the the court case and where that stands? Um. So, basically. The next phase of the court case will be an oral argument, which is basically the MJ cast covers the the updates really well. So the MJ cast has a shout out to Charles Thompson, who does an incredible job. Charles Thompson's updates, all those documents, they're so essential, aren't they? Charles's updates are incredible. They're very, very succinct. They're very well explained. Even if you don't understand the legal. Um, system or the legal process, Charles explains it in a way that you can fully grasp what's going on. And the MJCast website obviously has all of the, uh, it's at the mjcast.com forward slash Casio case. Sounds right. Um, It'll be in the show notes. We'll put it there, in the show there's notes. There's a link right at the top of the page. Yeah. And it has all of, of course, all yeah. of the, all of the like motions that are filed back and forward, the briefs and the, all of the arguments that are being made in writing, they're all on the MJCast. So, the next thing with the case is that the two sides will come into the courtroom and actually argue what they've most recently been arguing in writing, (laughs) and then the court will make a ruling um, on how they view the case at this particular moment. And then, probably 10 years later, there'll be another update. Who knows? But these things just drag on so much. And with Sony and the estate being so powerful, they'll pull every single stop that they can to make every delay and every objection and every, you know, everything that they can do to not go into discovery and everything that they can do to not have this thing 
resolved. But at the end of the day, it's the delays are fruitless because the truth is on Vera, who has filed a lawsuit. The truth is on her side. And um, I think she's put them in, already put them into a corner enough where they've conceded that, well, maybe it's not Michael, but even if it's not the estate and Sony are arguing that they are entitled to defraud the fans because they have uh, the First Amendment uh, right to artistic free speech. So, yeah, maybe it's not Michael, but we can tell you it is and you can't do anything about it. That's their current argument, which is obviously a crock of shit. And the judge did not like it. I wrote an article about this with a bit of an update um, just around Christmas time last year with quotes from the lawyers and quotes from the judge. And the judge basically said, under your admitted facts, you're saying that you have ripped off your consumers. And then they're saying, well, we're allowed to do it. The law allows us to do it. So, it's it's a baffling situation with the, the lawsuit and, and where the whole thing stands. And I just can't believe the estate won't just go, look, we were tricked. Casio and Port came to us with songs that turn out to be fraudulent. And um, it's all their fault. But that's not the way that they're approaching it. They're continuing to fight against Michael Jackson's legacy and his artistic integrity. And it's baffling and confusing, but I mean, the estate is baffling and confusing. So it fits with their, with their way of operating. Sure does. But can I just add one thing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I just wanted to say I met Vera Sarova when I was in LA for LA week. Um, and she is so incredible. And I just want to emphasize that, you know, for all of us can complain and complain about the estate, but Oh my gosh. I mean, she was a normal fan and she went off and did this thing. And it's so incredible that she is doing that. And, and Damien, you too. I mean, you've gone to such great lengths to, tell us, tell the public what's going on. So I really, really commend Vera. I really commend you um, for all the time and dedication and hours and money that you've put into this. Vera is one of the most phenomenal human beings that I've ever met. I've met Vera as well. And she's just, I mean, tenacious and only driven by a quest for the truth and justice. And I mean, you will not find a more upstanding citizen than Vera Sarova. She is phenomenal. So, a hero of truly, the community, an inspiration. Put it this way, and put yeah. it this way. You and I mean, I've made these feelings clear to people in the Jackson family that I have contact with. So this is not going to be a shock to them. But really, how the hell did this whole thing fall onto the shoulders of a dude in Australia behind his computer and a lady in? California who purchased a CD. How did it come to this? Why the hell are our lives dedicated to resolving this when, you know, surely there are better people to have taken this fight on and to have seen it through, but no one else has. So, I mean, if not us, then no one, I guess. It's just, it just astonishes me that there's... And, and the media as well. The media has been completely complicit with this because their silence is is their complicity. It's, I mean, they haven't asked a single question that holds anyone accountable to an answer. Oprah Winfrey didn't force Eddie to explain himself. She just gave him a platform to say whatever the hell he wanted. They're all all in it together and it's disgusting. It's unbelievable. 
a little bit of help from some other outside sources would have been nice, but it hasn't been that way. So it's it's been a fight. It's been a struggle. But we will continue to fight and struggle until we get the result. So what was it Michael said? Lies run sprints. The truth runs marathons. That's correct. I think bringing it back to your book, the stories and songs from, uh, from the vault, a big part of that, it gives an incredible context of Michael's process and how songs actually came to be reality, whether it was on this posthumous album or unreleased or not. And it's going to give such a shocking contrast to the story of those other songs that we were just discussing. And that if you haven't already read Escape Origins, the new version, Michael Jackson, the songs and stories from the vault is a terrific book. And it, like I said before, it takes you there and puts you in there. And it doesn't just cover the songs that were on the Escape album. It covers other tracks from that era and those same production houses and the same producers it covers so many songs that you really don't know the origins of. So if you haven't got it, go get it. We'll have links in the show notes. It's available now. And if you did want to have a, a collection of these versions, then get it again, because in my opinion, it's worth it. So Damien, thank you so much for not only giving us update on the Casio stuff, but also for relaunching with us your new updated version of this book, which is another incredible book. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for giving me the platform to do it. I greatly appreciate it. And I love the MJ cast. And we love you, man. We love you. Um, Damien, I'm also really excited to finally get a copy of your book. I have been planning to forever and now I'll do it and can't wait to read it. Um, in other really positive news, now we're going to hear an update from Stephen, who um, is in charge and is our correspondent for the Michael Jackson Fans for Charity. And I hope you all will consider, if you're not already, being a monthly donor. It's a great program. So now we'll hear his update. Hi everyone, I'm glad to be back for another update about various things happening in the MJ charity world. It's been a while since the last major update back in episode 78 at the beginning of May, and as it is going to be Michael's 60th birthday this year, there are lots going on, so we'll try and be as thorough as possible. An MJ-inspired fan initiative. Michael's Dream Foundation is currently raising funds for India. The plan is to send funds to aid the house mother for the children's home, and they will be sponsoring children as they have funds available to send them to school. Their goal is to send $1,000, which goes a long way. They are close to 400 so far. Also exciting news about their annual MJ birthday event on the 29th of August. This year they will be in Vegas. The Foundation's ambassador Bridget will be in the USA with Mike Garcia, the bodyguard that worked for Michael in Vegas, and E. Casanova, a great tribute artist. An MJ family initiative. The MJ state released a news article which stated the following. For this year's very special Diamond Birthday celebration in Las Vegas, the estate has decided to honour Michael's well-known desire to help disadvantaged people around the world, especially children, by welcoming the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation to the event. We will join forces to support the work of GAIA Elizabeth Taylor Mobile Health Clinics, which brings accessible and free healthcare to those living in rural Malawi. 
There was no mention of Paris Jackson in this article and announcement, considering that she is an ambassador for the foundation, but I'm sure we will hear more about the celebration from her directly at some point in the future. I'm guessing that this, along with the support of Paris Jackson's visit to Malawi last year, the MGS date might finally be dipping into the 20% that was stated will benefit charities, which is finally great to see and hopefully we'll see a lot more of it over the months to come. I also discovered recently that the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation has a fundraiser set up for this event and is trying to raise $50,000 in around 50 days. At the time of writing this, the total was $184, so please check out the ElizabethTaylorAidsFoundation.org website for details on how you can contribute. Other charity mentions since the last update. The Heal the World Miracle Community Organisation is a Michael Jackson-inspired charity we will be able to find on Facebook. They aim to help disadvantaged and vulnerable children and youth on the streets, war victims, orphans, youth who are HIV positive and children from poor and disadvantaged families to have an honest living with God's love. They have also updated their logo and it looks great. It's brilliant to see how these MJ inspired charities evolve over time. MJ Vibes have a living legacy project. Although they are not a charity themselves, it's a great project where they encourage fans to plant a tree each year on the 25th of June in tribute to Michael. You may have missed this one for this year, but you can find out more information about their project on their website in Redness for 2019 Plantation, and I guess it is never too late to plant trees in memory of Michael. Dee from Michael Jackson's Legacy has been busy and has just got back from her visit to Everland Haiti in June 2018. Everland Haiti was a project by MJL where they planned to take in 20 orphans between the ages of birth to two years old. Once accepted, the children will remain in the home for as long as it is necessary, most usually until they have progressed through the education system and on to boarding school. MJL have been sharing photos on their social networks from this visit, so if you would like to follow what Dee and her team got up to, I urge you to follow their online accounts where possible. Sandra Mazur and the Give a Child a Smile project constantly raise money in connection with the MJJ Memorial in Munich, which I have been lucky to have been able to visit in person in the past and shown around by MJ fan Gabby. It's great tribute in Munich and they have recently announced a total from the Easter in June fundraising this year of over 500 euros which was raised for Doctors Without Borders. The Michael Jackson Monthly Giving Project Now we have come to our own UK-based Michael Jackson Fans for Charity initiative called the Michael Jackson Monthly Giving Project. This project has taken years to refine and all it takes is just one unit of your home currency per month which goes to charity as part of a larger M-Day fan group in memory of Michael. In the last few weeks we have stormed through our previous consecutive monthly donor record of 47 and are now sitting humbly on 51 which is great news. These 51 monthly £1 donors get given a digital certificate to download and can also take part in the monthly charity vote so we urge any fans listening to this that if you can spare £1 per month we are here to help you make a huge difference at minimal expense. As a reminder every penny after PayPal fees of this £1 goes to charity each month a month of the month we have been raising over £200. It would be great to see this increase as we approach our next milestone of 60 monthly donors before Michael's 60th birthday at the end of August, so we hope some of you listening to this will join in soon. The charity we raised money for back in April was the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence and we raised over £200. It was greatly received by the charitable beneficiary and they said that they sincerely appreciate the support from our MJ Fans for Charity members group. In May, monthly donors chose Plastic Oceans for our Plastic Reduction and Education fundraiser, in which we raised an even larger £242. Plastic Oceans said that they are sincerely thankful for the recent donation that we made to their foundation and that our generosity was much appreciated. More recently for June, we raised over £200 again for our Education and Research fundraiser, 
in which monthly donors nominated the United Negro College Fund, or UNCF. Full details about this charity payout is available on our website. The UNCF said that they were deeply grateful for our generosity and support of their efforts and the gift ensures that students get the opportunity to achieve the dream of college education. The charity we've been raising money for for the current month of July is World Vision, where we'll be giving all of the money raised to their Guatemala Volcano Relief Fund. The Fuego Volcano in Guatemala erupted catastrophically earlier in June and over 100 people were killed. 1.7 million people were affected and more than 3,000 evacuated. We couldn't help but feel we should be trying to help in some way so we allocated this disaster as our global event for this year. A global event is a fundraising theme where an unexpected crisis somewhere around the world occurs. The idea is to be able to promptly rally up fans and raise money for the event to help as much as possible as Michael Jackson fans. By the time this episode drops, you should still have a few days to contribute if you wanted to do so, even if it is a one-off donation, as they also are accepted. Although we normally give to general charities, there are occasions when our project raises funds for global events such as these. This is all possible with your help, and as members you can also suggest global events that you feel should be getting attention. As a result, we have in the past been raising money for Hurricane Irma relief, Syria, the East Africa food crisis, Italian earthquake relief, and child refugees to name just a few. Our charity theme for Michael's birthday month of August is the lost children, and members will soon have finished voting for one of the shortlisted charities chosen for August's theme. We'll be announcing the winning charity for Michael's 60th birthday fundraiser early in August. Again, if you join a £1 project before the end of the month, we will be able to choose between three shortlisted charities, which were Missing Kids, Every Child Protected Against Trafficking, and Railway Children. We hope in the future with more supporters we'll be able to provide more assistance rather than just helping with monetary donations to charities, but this is where all of you come in. If you would like to help and be an active part of the project, all it takes is £1 per month and all of this goes into a charity pot. More information can be found on the website and it is very simple to sign up. We hope some of you can join us. There is really nothing that can't be done if we raise our voices one. On the 29th of August, we'll be holding our annual online global fundraising event called the Michael Jackson Global Birthday Party. The yearly event helps unite MJ fans via a moderated chat room, MJ music, and normally a live video that MJ fans can appear in, whilst also raising money for our August charity at the same time. This year, because it will be Michael's 60th and we'll be out and about attending various MJ events, instead of the live videos, we'll be able to tweet in your birthday video messages to Michael in tribute instead, so we can't wait to see all of your video message tributes. Each year we follow a particular MJ-related theme for the party, and this month's birthday theme is Thrilled. More details to follow on that one, so keep an eye on the social networks for details. The yearly global birthday parties are important to us as they help connect fans that cannot normally make it to actual physical events for whatever reason. As you say, we are going to be fundraising for the August charity around this event, so if you cannot make it to the online party we hope you will be able to contribute a small amount instead. Again, more on the global birthday party will be following soon. I wanted to update everyone on our Moonwalk Walks tribute project, where, with the help of other MJ fan charities and groups, including the MJ cast, we are sending seven Moonwalk by Michael Jackson books around the world to each continent for Michael's 60th birthday. Each book gets a sponsor, of which four have been confirmed so far, which are Australia, Europe, North America and South America. We're just finalising the last three books now for Africa, Asia and Antarctica, which is still proving to be a real challenge. If you know of any MJ fans or MJ-inspired charity groups operating in any countries that are part of these three remaining continents, please let them know, so that they have the opportunity to take part. The books will be starting their journeys in a particular place on each continent, where they will be photographed and left for other members of the public to pick up and continue on their journey. 
We hope one of the books makes it near you soon and you'll be able to follow them using the hashtag of Moonwalks on Twitter. The Global Total Our global total of money raised by MJ Inspired Initiatives is still running and although we announced that this total reached over $390,000 in our last update, we're happy to announce that this has now reached almost $397,000, so this is just brilliant news. Global Total is a created list of all known Michael Jackson charity initiatives since Michael passed and really shows how much of an impact Michael's fans are having and how well we're all paying it forward for Michael. Thank you to all of those that have reached out to me online, including Nick, who I've been having some very interesting conversations with about Michael's life. So thanks, Nick. And hello to monthly donor number 41, Jessica Zandi. Also, to those showing an interest in becoming sponsors for the Moonwalk Walk books, most of which were from Europe, thank you for your interest in the tribute. The response to it has been great, so thank you for all your positive feedback. The books will be sent out to all sponsors due in August. If any fans would like to connect with me to discuss what they are doing or how they are inspired by Michael, or even how they became involved with the Michael Jackson Monthly Giving Project, they can contact me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Simply head over to the website at mjffc.org.uk and scroll to the bottom for all contact links. We are in desperate need of more fans sharing our posts to their followers as this really does make a difference when it comes to more fans hearing about the project. And hopefully by the end of August we can really hit or even surpass that 60 monthly £1 donor total. Thanks again for all of your support and to the MJ cast for their support, which is definitely contributing to the increase of monthly donors in the past few weeks. Remember, there is nothing that can't be done if we raise our voice as one. And don't forget to keep making that change. Thank you to our wonderful charity correspondent, Stephen, from MJFFC, Michael Jackson's fans for charity. Head to the show notes for direct links to that great cause and Stephen thank you so much for all the charity work that you help do for Michael in Michael's name and what a great opportunity coming up to Michael's birthday in August to actually do something in Michael's name like supporting a charity and doing that for Michael what a great opportunity we have got finds at a week time I had the most random one so I'm I'm happy to share mine first if you'd like, guys. Go for it. I was watching a movie which I have completely fallen in love with. It is called Love, Simon. It is a, what would you call it? A Like a heartwarming, cheesy, coming-of-age, high school romance, drama, comedy, coming-out story. It is just wonderful. If you like things like um, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, Clueless, Breakfast Club, 10 Things I Hate About You, that kind of high school classic movie, this will be one of those films. It, it, it is a classic already. Like It's going to join the, those sort of timeless, wonderful movies the film Love, Simon, I was listening, I was watching it and then in it, the character of Simon is making like a Christmas playlist for the character Blue that he is in like an email relationship with and he said like, and you cannot have any Christmas playlist without the Jackson 5 Christmas classic Someday at Christmas. And it was such a little random moment that I was not expecting that Michael Jackson will just pop up in this story like this as part of the soundtrack. The soundtrack is 
such a good soundtrack, as is the actual original film score as well, available separately as well. The cast of this film is brilliant. The film is just perfection. But my little find of the week was just stumbling across the track Someday at Christmas featured in this film. And I love the film, so highly recommend that as well. That's my find of the week. Links will be in the show notes. Oh, my God. I can't wait till you see it and tell me what you think about it. I'm just in love with it. I'm in love with it. (laughs) Damien, what have you brought to the table for Finds of the Week? Oh, my God. I'm such a wet blanket. I haven't brought anything. Last time I... have so. No, 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 no. (laughs) Really? Last time I brought a Find of the Week when I wasn't supposed to... Yeah, and this and we were not prepared for that. We're like, oh, we don't have one. And this time, I haven't brought a find of the week at all. Mm. That's hilarious. I just thought that you would have one and hadn't told us what it was yet. Uh, no, I did. I didn't even cross my mind to to think of one. Actually, um, why don't you talk a little bit, Elise, and then I'll see if I, I can think yeah, of something. I- I can talk about my find of the week because I was prepared. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So. <laughs> So um, my find of the week is a book, a Michael Jackson book that I was not aware of um, until recently, and which is pretty cool and so worth um, letting you guys know about. So I actually found out about this um, from the from Karen Merks over at the Journal of Michael Jackson Academic Studies and their podcast, which is The Dream Lives On. Um, and it's episode 36. It's their most recent episode. And on that episode, Karen had Kit O'Toole on the show. And so she is the author of this book, which is called Michael Jackson FAQ. Now you guys are going to kick and scream about the subtitle. Subtitle is All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. Now, it's not really all that's left to know, but um, but it's part of a series, a music series, and that's the subtitle they use for every single book, which is why it's that way. Um, but anyway, I went ahead and bought a copy. I've only had it for a couple of Days, so I have not had a chance to read the whole thing. It's actually pretty long, but it's almost like a um, a little in- mini encyclopedia of uh, tidbits about uh, all about every part of Michael Jackson's life and career. Um, do you guys know this book? Do either of you know it? I no. only know of it from that Dream Lives On podcast episode, the okay. most recent one with Karen interviewing Kit. I don't know how I'd never heard of it before. I was shocked because it sounds like a really thorough and it sounds like a really big and detailed book. It's actually a really cool book. So the way it's structured is um, actually thematically. So, I mean, just to tell you a couple of the chapters here, um, there's a chapter on, let's see here, the unique singing chemistry of Michael and Jermaine Jackson, um, their most unusual cover songs, Uh, Buried Gems and Underrated Album Tracks. So each chapter kind of focuses on a hyper-specific aspect of his career and or life. And it, and so each, each section is, is brief. I mean, it's kind of, it's not going super, super in depth, but, but it really does give you a pretty comprehensive look. And it's the kind of book you can kind of flip through and figure out what you're interested in at that moment. And it, you know, I have to say it even has a section that it gets into the Casio tracks a little bit. I mean, it really is the full range of his his life and work so again I have not read the whole thing yet I can't vouch for you know 
if you know in my personal opinion of every single thing is exactly on point I don't know but listening to her interview on Karen's podcast um, she really does seem like a very longtime fan and real expert um, and and a music a music writer in in general of of others subjects as well so I highly recommend people check it out I'm really surprised it stayed under the radar and I would be curious about um, other fans opinions of the book if you've read it Sounds interesting. Yeah, I think cool. hearing from Kit, it sounds like they got the right lady for the job. She yeah. really did a, a yeah. great job describing the book and her passion for it. Yeah, I highly recommend that you listen to the podcast too. And and she's coming at it. She's not interested in getting into drama. She's not, you know, she's about like the facts of his musical life. Um, that was her condition of doing here. it when they approached mm-hmm. her. She was like, I'm only going to do it if it's only fact-based and like legit no drama and rubbish in there at all and they said great that's what we want exactly like this is like yeah this is little mini encyclopedia it's actually got a lot of images in it as well which are really fun to see so it's it's great i think i'm going to end up spending a lot of time with this book and just one of those that i'll sit around with on a saturday afternoon kind of looking at different sections that are speaking to me that day so i i definitely recommend it did you come up with a find of the week damien nah wet blanket I'm just yeah. I'm bringing no- I'm bringing right. nothing to the we table. We forgive you. You brought a lot to the table today. The amount of detail that you gave, like even with just the Paul Anker stuff alone, should be why people should go and get your book because that's just a hint at the amount of detail that you bring to the table. So it's yeah, what it's you a real bring pleasure to, the- to to hear yes. you, Damon. You you have just such encyclopedic knowledge of everything. It blows my mind. Yep. So. You are forgiven because you did come last time when we were not expecting or prepared for one. So all is good.
Hi, this is Sam from the Michael Jackson Academia Project, and you are listening to the MJ Cast. We're at the part of the show when we're not only grateful for Damien coming today with all that he does bring to the community and the table, but also Elise. Thank you so much for helping me host this episode while Jamin is out and about doing important stuff. But we are so grateful for our listeners and for those who subscribe to the show. But I have a list of thank yous and it's not a short list. And so please bear with me, but I mean all of these. So across Twitter, I think pretty much all of these are from Twitter at the moment. So at xcali 66 SaneMJFan, Dr. Don Randall, Marita Applehead, James underscore JBR, James Brown, at It's Me Susie, Suzanne, Simos, XMJLove, at Andy's Tech, and I want to say a special thank you for these people for their song suggestions that we considered for our episode 82, our June 25th anniversary episode, which you were on, Damien. It was. That was with you and TJ. That was actually one of my favorite episodes ever. That was such a good episode. Yeah, that was so good. And, And some of that came from the incredible song suggestions. I couldn't use all of them, but I want to say thank you to all the people suggested, such as at superfanmjj, at Miga Sridhira, at mjjacfan777, history in the mix, of course, at the ROC files, Ben Riley, Lara Simpson, at Lisa Croft, Laura Duncan at LolaStorm31, June at Jay Astford, Charlie Ray7, The Real Pipkin, Stephen Hodges, of course, at MJFFC, Tom Routerman at Slightly Crunchy, Andreas DeVries, Dexy Cola, Appleseed120, Nigel Williams7, and Ashley at Smile for Me MJ. Anyone else that has also emailed and commented on Instagram, special shout out to email Ali over in Iran. I've loved reading your emails in the last couple of weeks. And thank you so much for listening to us and everyone that listens to us in all the far-flung countries of the world. Thank you very much. Elise, you have something that I'm very glad that you're going to say thank you for. Some very yes. special um, people. So first of all, I want to give a quick shout out just to um, Andy Healy because you made my LA experience so, so awesome, even though I said I wasn't going to list names. <laughs> and also Joel. We all love you, Joel, and your motorcycles. But um, <laughs> I also... <laughs> We all have a crush on Joel. Um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> <What was that? laughs> delete, delete that part, delete that part. <laughs> anyway, I actually want to give you a really special, I want to give a really special thank, uh, thank you to three people. Um, and uh, for a project that we have going on on the back end, which I promise, I think we've mentioned it a couple times on the show, I promise you guys will hear about in the next couple months, but it's a big project, it's taking a lot of work, and um, Cody has been working on it for a long time, um, and our new people are Danya and Lynn, and I really want to thank you a lot because you're both putting a ton of time into it and dedication, and I promise it'll be a really exciting project when it's all said and done, and I appreciate it. Cody, Dania, Lynn, thank you so much on behalf of Jamin and myself as well. And Elise, thank you so much for 
steering that ship, that project ship that you are working with this little team and you're steering that ship and helping so much. And we appreciate your work with Cody, Danya and Lynn immensely. Oh, so course. thank you very much. Oh, it's exciting. I'm, I, I wish it were moving a little bit faster, but now that we have this awesome team, it will. And, um, and thank you and Jamin so much. You guys are the best. No worries. Well, we are the MJ Cast. We're a podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on iOS devices, Android and web, Pocket Casts. Um, pod, is yours Podcast Republic, Elise? Podcast is that yours? Republic. Use that. Don't use Podbean. Use Podcast Republic. Yeah, Podbean equals issues we can't fix the issues yet we've tried thank you to james alay for helping try fix that but there are still some issues just go to podcast republic if you're on android maybe the new google one but thank you so much our social media the mj cast on twitter instagram we're on facebook email us at the mjcast at icloud.com guys where can we all find yourselves on social media damien where are you? Um, the only place you can interact with me on social media is Twitter. Um, so I'm at Damien Shields. Um, my book, Michael Jackson, Songs and Stories from the Vault, is on Amazon. And you can also find it at themjvault.com. And that's pretty and much it. And you've updated the... Have, do you have a Twitter for that as well? Oh, yeah. At the MJ Vault. Yeah, I noticed there you'd you updated that the other day. Oh, and there's so. an Instagram for that too, apparently, at the MJ Vault. Really? And I think there okay. might be a Facebook page coming, but I, I really don't know. I don't do Facebook anymore. <laughs> it's way, 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 way of the past for me. I don't even know what Facebook can do these days. I haven't been on it for years. Don't, don't ask. Don't so. go there. <laughs> yeah, but um, wherever, wherever it can be, you can find it, I would assume. So, yeah. Cool. And Elise, where would you like people to find yourself on social media? So I'm very easily available through all of the MJCast accounts. I will see your note if you um, if you reach out to me that way. If you urgently need to reach out to one of my personal accounts, you're welcome to do that. I'm also on every platform at uh, Elise Capron, all one word. Damien, thank you again for joining us. No problem. And Elise, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. Oh, it's been a real pleasure and sending lots of love to you, Q, also. Yeah, Thank big love. Thank you very much. Thank you. And shout out to Jamin, who will be back shortly. And don't forget, we are a news and discussion podcast, but occasionally, sometimes it seems more often than not, we have special episodes and we've got a great lineup of special episodes coming your way for the future as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the MJ Cast and for joining us for episode 85. I think I've got 8% left on my phone battery, so we've done this well. We haven't had to cut it short, and I'm glad that you guys were here today and with me. So thank you all, and we'll see you again on the next episode of the MJ Cast.
that noise you heard in the background, other than all the rain, was um, my cat getting fed. Sorry. Oh, cat. It's always hard to remember what time the timer's going to go off and dispense the biscuits. So. Oh, my God. There you Your go. I need one of those for my cat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he gets like four times a day, set portions. Oh, my God. My cat would be yeah, in heaven. That- we call our cat Fat Sack because he's getting fat because we're feeding him too much. So, yeah. <laughs> It's a good thing. And he sometimes he'll be sitting there. He knows what time it'll go off and he'll be sitting there waiting for it to go off. I make That's my actually dog's only... food. It takes forever. <laughs> yeah, which is, but it's very good for them. The other crazy cat feeding thing we have is for the, the other cat we have, the girl cat. She's a grazer. Jasper's a gorger. Montana is a grazer. So Jasper used to always go and finish all her leftover biscuits, which is why he did at one point get very obese. He's now lost that weight because not only has he got his special feeding bowl, but hers is a crazy bowl that only opens for her. It reads an RFID chip. Oh, my God. So it actually only opens for her when she approaches it. And then when she's finished, she walks away. It closes quickly. So Jasper can't get any leftovers. That's so amazing. So that's an expensive technology way to control their feeding and their health. Do you remember, do you remember my cat, Jasmine, that we used to have? Yeah. So, we used to have Jasmine and Ernie, who we still have. Jasmine's passed away. Um, back at the house that I used to live in um, when you, you've, you've come to visit me there. And yep. um, we used to have this problem with we would wake up in the morning and the, the cat's food would be completely eaten. And, <laughs> like... That we would like it'd be full before that we went to bed, and we would wake up and it oh be, would be gone. God. Anyway, we set up a video camera to film, and we discovered that a neighborhood cat was coming in at like two in the morning every night and just cleaning out the food and then going out. Like it would let itself in through the kitty door and go back out through the kitty door, oh. and and our cats were going hungry, and we were always wondering like why are the cats so hungry? But this neighborhood cat was coming into the house and eating its food. All the time. Hilarious. What a cheeky bugger. Captured it on film. Hilarious. We couldn't get a cat door here. I had thought about it, but it's not really super safe for the cats and the street and everything. But also where we are, there's the potential for snakes. And when I did see a baby snake at our back door in the first summer living at this new house, I was like, guys, cat door concept cancelled. Not going to happen. I hate the <laughs> thought of that. Ugh. 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 Yeah, that put a put a kibosh on that idea for sure. The MJ Cast.